Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So in this episode, we're going to be finishing up our bro set review. Uh, apologies for, for having jumpstart right in the middle of it, but that's just the nature <laughs> of spoiler season these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Two sets in one, you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, we can go ahead and jump right in. I don't want to waste too much time, although I will say that if you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory you can support the show and get sweet benefits including ad-free episodes for as little as one dollar a month if you aren't ready to be a patron yet you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever your podcast podcast all right let's go bro planeswalkers where are we starting all right so uh a surprising one that uh so i did not read the fiction for this set so far i've been like too busy so I did not expect to see. Uh, oh no, never mind. <laughs> I did expect to see this guy. This is Teferi Temporal Pilgrim. So a little spoiler for the next one. Um, so Teferi Temporal Pilgrim is a five mana, four loyalty, legendary planeswalker Teferi. He costs three blue blue, and he has a static ability that's that's kind of wild. It says whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on Teferi Temporal Pilgrim. Uh, so what does he do? He has three abilities. Zero, draw a card. So kind of a sneaky way to plus one him. Then he has minus two, create a 2-2 two, two blue spirit creature token with vigilance. And whenever you draw a card, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. And then minus 12, target opponent chooses a permanent they control and returns it to their owner's hand. Then they shuffle each non-land permanent they control into their owner's library. So Bounce one thing, shuffle in the rest. Damn. So one person gets absolutely screwed. So I, I like the technology on this, but I think there's a lot to say about the card and where I'm going to land on it. Do you want to go first on uh, Teferi here? I'm going to say the same things I say for most Planeswalkers, which is that like a Planeswalker either needs to have a huge effect the turn it comes down or um, basically protect itself extremely well. And Teferi doesn't do either of those things. Um, So like you can draw one card the turn you cast him after you spent five mana, or you can make a two, two. uh, And it's even if you've got like a lot of card draw going, it will take a bit of effort to get this much loyalty on him. Like, I guess if you cast him and then untap with him and then like, cast a windfall or something or, or some sort of similar draw seven effect then you could probably pull it off but that's like a lot of work when cyclonic rift exists like if that's just what you're yeah. trying to get out of to fairy uh you can certainly do it a lot easier in blue yeah i think that so i'm i'm a little bit less harsh but i'm at the same i end up in a similar place to you where like if you are putting this to fairy in a deck that just draws cards he's just gonna stick around he's gonna get huge like you're probably gonna have some tokens but my problem is that you're kind of just taking a big dump on one person if you ever ult and that's like really not fun so you're putting in a card in your deck that is mid you know most of the time that other cards could do a lot better probably and the payoff is that like every now and then you just tell one person to like go sit over there while the the kids finish the game you know like it's 
it's pretty mean. It feels pretty bad because um, you're just dogpiling onto the player that gets targeted with it, probably. I mean, probably what's going to happen is if someone gets targeted by uh, minus 12 on Teferi, usually people will be nice and just not kill them unless they need coastal piracy triggers or something like that. But mm-hmm. that just seems like not worth it to me, you know? Like, there's a lot of draw engines. I've really enjoyed um, Mordenkainen and... Like, if you want that kind of big blue draw card, Planeswalker type gameplay, the dogs, I feel like, are way better than these spirits and stuff like that. So I think that the gimmick is cute, but, like, I think this is just going to be relegated to, like, blue Super Friends lists because of that. Because it just, like, it feels bad. feels bad, man. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think we end up on the same place. But I also think we ended up on the same place with this next Planeswalker. Do you want to read this one off? Yes, this is Sahili Filigree Master. It is two blue-red for a three-loyalty legendary planeswalker. Sahili, she has plus one, scry one. You may tap an untapped artifact you control. If you do, draw a card. Minus two, create two 1-1 one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. They gain haste until end of turn. And minus four, you get an emblem with artifact creatures you control get plus plus one, and artifact spells you cast cost one less to cast. This is interesting like i the the part that is most intriguing to me is the emblem and so if there was a way i could easily like proliferate it the turn it came in and then just use it as a permanent um like foundry inspector type card then it would be and, and i guess like foundry inspector slash chief of the foundry type card um yeah <laughs> then it would be a lot more appealing um but it's not super easy to protect this card. Like if you're just trying to do it fairly, like I'll plus one it and then I'll pass the round of turns and then I'll do the minus and then I'll do my thing. That seems like it's not going to work out too well unless you do a ton of setup. In which case, like, gosh, just just play the Ethereum Sculptor or the, the Mechanaut or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like this. I think that the the emblem is good enough and like the value you get out of Sahili is good enough that I, I probably actually am going to put this in an artifact deck that I have. But like that's a personal choice and it's because it lines up so well with what I'm doing. Like I am going to be able to proliferate really easily. Um, so it's not really a chore. But I think if you can't really proliferate, if you're just doing kind of like more classical artifact stuff, not as much stuff with counters, like you can probably leave this one on the sideline um the bright side is going to be pretty cheap it's a very niche planeswalker uh and usually those uh unless they get really popular in modern or something are very easy to pick up so i I think this is honestly i think this is better i think this one is more fun than teferi but yeah it's kind of you know you're not missing out if you're not playing sahili if you don't (laughs) if you don't open one in a draft and you don't put it in your artifact deck it's not like your deck is going to suffer for it you know yeah and i will say like I'm always wary about putting in like artifact support cards that aren't themselves artifacts and like, you know, diluting the concentration. So something to consider. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. With those, like look at the top X or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it. There's only two planes. Oh, two real planeswalkers. <laughs> we talked about <laughs> the other planeswalker um, in our legendary set review. He's uh, made of two cards. If you've heard, so let's get into the main deck cards, and we're just going to start with white. Do you want to read this one off? Yeah, this is Calamity's Wake. It's one in the white for an instant. Exile all graveyards. 
players can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Exile Calamity's Wake. Uh, so what do you think about this card? I think this is really niche, but I think there are some playgroups where this is just going to be killer. Specifically in uh, either CEDH metas or if you are in a meta, uh, which ours was for a little bit, where just every single person's playing out of the graveyard, like, this is gnarly. You just it, like it's coming back. Where there's like a there's like an equilibrium point where like a bunch of people play graveyard decks and then we play more hate and then, <laughs> and then we uh, play the hate. Decks. Yeah, and then everyone takes out their graveyard hate and then the graveyard decks come back. Like mm-hmm. we're in a cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, this is like if you're in the high graveyard hate part of the cycle, this is one of the best. I think like being able to screw over maybe the Kess or the artifact deck or you know like. The Mishra that we got in the set, the rare one that unearths things like, ooh, <laughs> or like a chainer, just like going on your upkeep, like exile your graveyard and you can't cast non-creature spells. Like, well, <laughs> I guess I pass, you know, like, oh, God, that's that one hurts. So I think this is an incredibly strong answer, but it's if you don't need it, you don't need it. You know, like I'm not just going to pack this in every deck, like on the first version of every deck, you know. Yeah, I, I think that like this is an interesting card. It can absolutely like save your life in the right situation. And so maybe if you're playing a deck that has like a blue white X shell that has like a lot of artifact or a lot of instant tutors so that you can run it as a silver bullet, it gets a lot more interesting. It's worth noting that like as a silence effect, uh it silences all players. So if you're trying to do spell-based combo, this is not going to work out for you. But if you're trying to do like creature-based combo, like uh, you know, cast your your like follow this up with a Kiki Jiki and a Village Bell Ringer or something, then it works pretty well. But it's just not going to be as good as like a silence or something for combo protection. Yeah. Yeah. So you gotta watch out. Um, but I feel like if you just keep that in mind, you'll be fine. <laughs> you mm. know. Like you're just gonna come out of this. So yeah, very powerful card. Did not expect to see like a scalpel like this in the set. But honestly, like we're gonna talk about a lot of cards where I was like, whoa, whoa. So um <laughs> I guess do you want to get on to the next card? Yes. Uh so this next card is Combat Thresher. It is seven mana for an artifact creature construct. It's a three-three with double strike, and when it enters a battlefield, draw a card. It also has prototype for two and a white which makes it a 1-1 one, one white artifact creature construct. Um, so essentially this has two modes. You can play it sort of as like a cantrip creature, just 1-1 one, one double strike for three and draw a card. Or you can have a bigger guy uh, that can smash your opponents, but it's a lot more expensive. So uh, I think this could be solid in like a lower power blink deck. I don't know if I would put it in... Um, I don't know if I would put in like Brago, but I think like with a good mono white blink commander, it it seems nice to like play it for the prototype mode, uh, then blink it and it'll come back as the larger three, three double striker. So maybe um, Preston from jumpstart 22, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's sort yeah. of like a mono white blink commander. He might be interested in this card. Yeah. Preston um, or if you are reanimating artifacts. So um I'm trying to think of like red cards or things like that. Like if you're in a Boros identity, um, that could be pretty good too. So I, I really like this card too. I think this is 
probably one of the better one of these cantrip creatures simply because like it's not just a one one for three that draws a card it's like a sneaky actual good blocker slash attacker for three that draws a card mm-hmm. if you put in a little work so this is probably one of my favorite versions of this that we've seen um so i, I agree and also just like having the artifact synergies or whatever like i really yeah. liked spirited companion because it worked so well then shaman synergies and like this also has a lot of things that it plays nicely with so mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh, one of my favorite of the white cantrip creatures for sure mm-hmm. absolutely um so this next one is really funny so i'm gonna read it off it is um a it's a, okay it's disciple of Kalis nin so this is a three four human wizard for five mana so four and a white a disciple of Kalis nin enters the battlefield well actually you know let me say that again when Disciple of Kalis Nin enters the battlefield, starting with you, each player chooses up to five permanents they control. All other permanents, uh, other than Disciple of Kalis Nin, that weren't chosen this way phase out. And then it has the line of text, permanents can't phase in. So, uh, you play this, everyone picks their five favorite things, everything else phases out, and they're there in the phasing zone, or I guess phasing isn't a zone, but... They're phased out for as long as this thing sticks around. Um, it's pretty funny. It has some really funny interactions. The main one, the notable one, is uh, MTG Goldfish talked about how this stops like a test protection from phasing in. So, like if somebody gets back, like somebody test protection in response to an attack, and then you take your turn and you play Disciple of Kalos Nin, then they're just like. It's so screwed. (laughs) So that's Uh, pretty funny. I want to mention like a couple uh, just nuances with this. So uh, for cards that just say like something phases out, uh, then when the disciple leaves the battlefield, that thing will return. But if they say like phases out until some event occurs, and that event occurs while it's still on the battlefield, then the phased out permanent is going to stay phased out forever. So, like, you know, if there was something that said target creature phases out until end of combat or until end of turn, and that trigger passed while Disciple was on the battlefield, then it is just hard removal at that point. Um, So, really interesting card. I don't think that there is quite... Well, okay. So it does a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I think like the just the permanent fate permanents can't phase in. I don't think there's like really a home for that aspect of the card. I just don't think we've seen quite enough phasing at this point for that to be super relevant. Um, but it's uh, like just the ability to force people to sack down to five permanents essentially. Um, is pretty cool there it's it rem- reminds me of like razia's purification sort of mm-hmm. yeah i i think it's i think the card is like sort of intended as a way to pose like land-based ramp decks and i guess also like you know go wide aggro decks it, it, it does a lot of things um but i think what i would most want to see this card in is like some deck that's really, really good at protecting it. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what that would be. Like, I don't think I'd run this 
Uh, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd run this in like an Avacyn 1.0 because like in that deck, I wouldn't. I would rather cast just like some sort of board wipe that my commander breaks symmetry on rather than casting Disciple of Kalis Nin. Um, mm-hmm. But there's got to be like some other commander that can just ensure that this sticks around forever and wants. Hmm, it's tricky. Uh, yeah, there might just not be a super. There, there might not be like a super broad swath of decks that really want this card. Yeah, I well, I think what it comes down to right now, I think right now that is correct in general. I think there are metas that are playing like March of Swirling Mists and like other cards at a higher density than we are. Like, especially people in our Discord. I know there's been a lot of people who like those cards there. I know, like again on MTG uh goldfish like people talk about those cards a lot so i feel like there are metas where you're gonna jam this because it's gonna like hilariously screw somebody over and until we get to the point that you're talking about nick like it's really gonna be only good in those metas for now you know where like people are incidentally phasing stuff out all the time because yeah there's really not a lot of uh super like ubiquitous phasing like when we went to uh uh the mtg summit i i I don't think i saw a single permanent phase out (laughs) that whole weekend (laughs) so uh just kind of indicative of of how much phasing there's in the format but i do think this is a cool card and i agree with pretty much everything you said so if your buddies are playing a lot of march of swirling miss uh, maybe this is something you want to look into, and if not, I think we'll have to wait for a really cool commander, like you were saying. Um, mm. This next one, though, is is pretty interesting. So this is Great Desert Prospector. Um, this is a 3-2 human artificer for 5 mana, so 4 and a white, another 5 drop. Um, it says, when Great Desert Prospector enters the battlefield, create a tapped Power Stone token for each other creature you control. So ostensibly like if you do happen to have a board let's say you play this and you have like some servos you know like paying five for three power stones is like pretty aggressive if you have more more power stones so there are some decks that really just want a crap ton of power stones you you had some noted here actually if you want to get yeah. into that so a couple possibilities um one i was thinking of was mel the blessed um so that is the the green white uh, unicorn commander that has three exile another target creature you control then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. So you're probably going to have a decent number of creatures just like as targets for MEL. Um, and then of course your commander's activated ability is going to use up all that power stone mana. So it seems pretty sweet. Like just provided you have even just a couple of guys, um, you know, you pay three mana next turn you have, you like untap with your power stones and you have, you know, three or more like permanent mana and just doing that every turn actually seems pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, another commander I was thinking of was a uh, Prava, I think of the steel Legion, something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, Prava is a one for a uh, partner commander. She's one of white. Um, and she has, as long as it's your turn, creature tokens you control get plus and plus four, and three and a white create a one one white soldier creature token. 
Like this deck is going to have a ton of creatures on the board because it's running so many tokens. And it also has an outlet for the mana so you can pump the power stones and make it more guys. So that seems like it could be pretty useful there. But other than that, I I think that power stones are generally um, not, uh, not that useful unless you're doing like something weird um Mm -hmm. i don't think they're generically that great and certain like color identities especially have trouble using them but we'll get more into that later yeah no there's this is not the first time or sorry this is not the last time we will be talking about power stones and uh yeah you'll you'll kind of know there's just certain cards that work very well with them so you'll you'll if if you have a bunch of tokens and three power stones sounds good to you, then maybe this is the card for your deck, you know? So this next one is an interesting piece. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting tool. So uh, do you want to read this off or should I read this one off? Okay, uh, I can read it off. This is Kayla's Reconstruction. It is X, white, white, white for a sorcery. Look at the top seven cards of your library. Put up to X artifact and or creature cards with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order uh i'll I'll spit out like the first thing i thought of was like uh like the average teshar deck is almost entirely artifacts and cheap creatures so this could be a way to dig for combo pieces in a color that's kind of starved for tutors Ozgear might also make sense but i want to just like run out some hypergeometric calculations really quick um so if you're running like 33 hits in your deck so 33 artifacts or creatures with mana value three or less uh you've got a about a 75 percent chance to hit two or more and assuming you're like, like i wouldn't cast this for one white 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 i wouldn't try to hit just like one card out of the top seven i think i want to be casting this for at least two and I want to make sure my deck is set up so that I have a pretty good chance of hitting two if I cast it for X equals two. Um, so I don't think I would run this if I was running less than 33 hits. And there's also a lot of color identities I just wouldn't bother to run this in. Like if I was in blue, I would not mess around with this. Yeah, I think that is probably a pretty good way to put this. Um, if you are like, uh, I feel like if this milled the rest of the cards, I think I would play it more or more highly. Um, oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah, you know, like that would be like pretty awesome. Um, but the fact that it puts them on the bottom, they just wanted to make sure it was pretty safe. So, yeah, if you, I don't know, I think the cases that you said make the most sense to me. Or if you're playing like a Caleb and Krug, um, you know, like you're probably going to be able to hit that 75 or more maybe that's fine for you too Mm -hmm. um because you're you're also probably going to have a ton of mana because all your mana rocks and whatnot are going to be in play so um other than that like yeah i'm I'm not super excited to play this one but this next one's really interesting can i get into this one go for it uh this is a very niche one also it's laid oh uh, yes and no so lay down arms is a one mana in a sorcery so a single white pip for a sorcery that says exile target creature with mana value less than or equal to the number of planes you control. Its controller gains three life. So it's like 
so close. There's like so much to say about this card because it's it's a one mana white kill spell, especially good in mono white, and it's like so close. <laughs> it's like it's like so close to being just like an instant staple. Like if this had been an instant, just boom, just you know, like every mono white deck, every some even like two color decks or something like that might even run it just to shore up the early game or something like that. But like. <sighs> it's a sorcery <laughs> come on yeah i if if i were in mono white and it were an instant i would probably run this card yeah. um i if it were an instant i don't think i would run it in two plus colors but maybe in like a a really weird deck like Karametra that's yeah i was gonna say more Karametra, focused exactly. on basic land types okay yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was um, what i would put it into <laughs> But like, if as it stands, I'm not interested. And if you think your deck has room for this card, uh, I order you to run Reduced to Memory first because Reduced to Memory, you're definitely not running it. It's only in 2007 decks on EDH rec, and it's just like much, much better than this card. Uh, it's one white white for a sorcery lesson, exile target non land permanent. Its controller creates a three two red and white spirit creature token. Uh, run that card instead. Don't run Lay Down Arms. This next one is also a little funny uh, tool, a little funny spell. So this is Loran's Escape. Um, so Loran's Escape is, again, one white. So a single white pip for an instant. I know sometimes I'll say one white, but like that's also how we mentioned two mana instants. So this costs one. It's MV1 for one white. <laughs> Just there <you> go. <laughs> clarify for everybody at home. Uh, it is an instant, and Loran's Escape says, target artifact or creature gains hexproof and indestructible until end of turn, scry one. So this is really interesting because I, I am a Feather player. I love Feather with my whole heart and soul. Uh, and Blacksmith's skill has been very, very good for that deck. Um, and Blacksmith's skill isn't even just a Feather card. It's in 15,000 decks on EDH rec. Uh, Nick got that stat up. Thank you so much. Um, and this doesn't, like, protect all the same permanent types but the scry is really good something that i've noticed is that like over the the time i've had feather i've cut a lot of the uh spells that simply give protection or hexproof or indestructible like you kind of need at this point to give a little bit more to help the flow keep going to help make sure that uh if you have to discard or something terrible happens or they respond do a spell and feather does end up dying like you have some backup plan or or can dig out of it so i think this is pretty good i think i'm gonna try this in feather uh i'm not sure exactly where else i would put this i guess artifact in creature decks maybe a teshar no probably not teshar i'm trying to think of like what deck wants to keep um things open i think if like if my commander or like if my deck was really strongly built around my commander this does answer a lot of a lot of removal you could worry about so and if i was in like a narrow color identity like maybe mono white and it was all about my commander i would think about running this i think that the opportunity cost to run this is not that high if you can get or or like I think that the opportunity cost to run this is not that high. Like the scry makes it 
way more appealing than blacksmith skill to me mm-hmm. even though i'm going to be protect i'm losing out on a little bit of value at the margins because i can't protect my enchantments or whatever yeah no I, I get that and that is something that i have enjoyed blacksmith skill for is they're like target your braid of fire and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> so it's been it's been pretty good there too so yeah that definitely some push and pull and i like when they do that i i want to see like there's no reason that blacksmith skill is the be-all end-all of a card like this you know so i I, having them play around in the space uh kind of rules i kind of like that so uh do you want to read off the next card yes the next card is platoon dispenser it's five mana for a four six artifact creature construct at the beginning of your end step if a if you control two or more other creatures, draw a card. Uh, it has three and a white. Create a 1-1 one, one colorless soldier artifact creature token and unearth for two white-white. Um, so this is interesting. I mean, I'm always going to like look twice at white card draw, um, but I think this is just like a lot of mana to draw one extra card per turn. Mm-hmm. even in mono white um how what are your thoughts on platoon dispenser i think it's it's like <laughs> this is the kind of card where i'm not gonna go out and get one but if i opened one at like a pre-release or like if we draft brothers war i'm i'll like play it one time and take it out of a deck i, I really don't see this as being that impactful to like a game overall because you're just getting uh an extra card a turn if you jump through the hoop and and to be fair white is really good at that right like white is uh exceptional especially these days at having two or more creatures so that's not really a hoop to jump through so really what this is is just like a five mana like card draw guy that has some token production on it so i can see there are decks um uh zirda is the kind of deck where people tend to put cards like this. Um, and, and if you have like a critical mass of cards like this that kind of overlap into areas, so this is a token producer and also gives you cards, if you have a bunch of stuff like that in the same deck that kind of adds up, it ends up being more than the sum of their parts. So like, even though I'm not going to put this in any deck I have, I think that like if you are a mana sync kind of deck and you have tokens, then like, that's this is probably where that's gonna go i just don't know how many white decks there are with mana sinks at this point (laughs) you know like how many white commanders are really desperate for like dumping a ton of mana into something yeah having too much mana is typically not the problem your white deck experiences Mm -hmm. so again like maybe like karametra or like some kind of white green deck where like the colorless is incredibly easy. You can just make, you're going to have a bunch of mana anyway. It's just replaces itself immediately. Like none of these things are bad, but it's also not super crazy good. Even then there's just, I feel like there's just better sinks. Like mm-hmm. I would rather be messing around with an Eldrazi displacer or something. Oh yeah. Oh, I love that, ugh, that, so, guy. Mm. that guy, that guy, love him. Okay. Well, let's get on to the next card then. Cause I feel like we both agree on that one. Um, so this is recommission. It is a sorcery. Uh, it is one in a white, so mana value of two for recommission. I'm gonna be very clear about that <laughs> on these these little spells. 
So this sorcery says return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If a creature enters the battlefield this way, it enters with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. Um, I'll let you talk about it and then I'll, I'll get into it because I feel like there's not too much to say about this card. Uh, I'm, I'm just very, very sad that this can't hit fetch lands. Um, there, I mean, you can make it hit artifact land, so that's not nothing. But I am just like, I would just love to see something like this, a two-mana white sorcery that was able to return a land from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, like that, I think, is fun, fair, white ramp that synergizes with like some cards that already kind of work well in white. Like there's reasons you want to run fetch lands in white decks. Uh, there's reasons you want to run like Lotus field in white decks. So I am sad that we don't have this functionality here. Um, it might do work in like, uh, well, in decks where like the one the plus one plus one counter is relevant or uh like maybe black white decks that have a lot of sack outlets but even then like i guess you would not run this over black reanimation maybe an oswald bill bender i i feel like i i like that i'm actually gonna so this is what i was gonna say is i i i saw your notes because i can see the notes listeners we have i can i can do that uh and uh I agreed with it, but I, I am going to give this a shot. This is the only thing I'm going to add in my Timna deck because I've been playing a lot more two and three drops in the deck and a lot of them like sacrifice themselves. And um, I was playing back for more and it was actually like pretty decent. <laughs> um, back for more is a um, black and white sorcery. Can't stay away. Can't stay away. That's why it was another three, three letter one. So can't stay away has been like in impressively good for me uh in that deck in particular because i am running like a lot of little guys and um getting like an extra push on a bounty agent or um something similar to that that has like a sack effect has been pretty cool um the one problem with can't stay away is that it exiles the creature when you're done with it so like Sometimes you just need that bounty agent to kill something, and this is fine. But if I could have, like, yeah, I'll be losing the the flashback on Can't Stay Away. So Can't Stay Away was uh, mana value 2, so it's white-black for sorcery. This says return target creature with mana value 3 or less from your grave to the battlefield. It gains, if this creature would die, exile it instead, and it has flashback for 3 white-black, so 5 mana. So that's been good there. I'm just going to put recommission in instead. I'm just going to see how that works, because um, it might be fine. But again, that's a deck that has, I think, like 26 creatures that cost three or less, and 12 of those are one drops. Do so, you like, run, yeah. Question Do you run Savine's Reclamation? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm running Savine's Reclamation, and it is good. <laughs> that card has been good, but also it's ramp, you know, which this mm-hmm. is not. So that's, that is uh, something that I've noticed. But I've been like giving these a shot in that deck because um we're getting so many better like one and two drops these days than we used to and like i'm glad because white needs it but it's like i think it's also bumping up these spells a little bit in my like approximation of like how well they're gonna work um at least in specific archetypes so 
I agree with you. I wish this lands, but uh, it still works in some niches is what I'm guessing. Okay. I'm feeling like that there are enough variants in like black, white, because in addition to having like, you know, Dance the Dead, Animate Dead, Necromancy, Reanimate, you do have things like um, Unearth. Um, you yeah. have the the split card, the Orzov split card that like one of the modes just makes somebody lose half their life and you gain that much life or something. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> You're right. I uh, forgot. Yeah. Uh, there's like the the thing that can bring back like up to two things with total mana value three um, from Ikoria and like put some keyword counters on them. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like just in black you have better options. I I was looking at this more as like just a possible option for mono white, but mm-hmm. I get that. Mm. No, I, I feel that. I think that like that as we get more of these little donks, like this is good. I mean, this is good in like Preston, you know, like you yeah, reanimate your, your board gets wiped. You, you cast recommission on your card draw guy. You get two of them. And one of them is a, is a one bigger. So that, that seems pretty good there if we're going to keep going on that route. Um, see, there was a reason we did jumpstart in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yes. There we go. Um, do you want to uh, get speaking into of this? Jumpstart. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. Uh, so this next card is a bro jumpstart exclusive. It is three white, white for a three, three creature dog soldier. It's called Rescue Retriever. It has flash. And when it enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on each other soldier you control. Create. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to other attacking soldiers you control. Um, so this is this seems like a a lower powered card, but it can absolutely blow somebody out. Um, it seems like something you might run in Mirel. Um, mm-hmm. But and I guess like. You would you might consider it in Harbin because like he wants you to have like at least five soldiers anyway. Um so it seems like a fun little card for those decks. Does not seem incredibly powerful for five mana. Like it seems like something that would matter a lot more in metagames that don't have a lot of board wipes and are like more focused on combat where like a big swing in combat matters more than than it would in like our metagame yeah where you're casting like relevant spells that like have a bigger effect initially this Mm -hmm. it's funny because this is a jumpstart card but that's exactly where this seems like it's good is like a 20 life format where you attack and they make blocks and you go rescue retriever and then (laughs) there the combat math is all blown out and you're gonna win next turn um so yeah i mean it's definitely i I think it's a dog and a soldier so it works in both those decks you know and that's kind of all i'm really thinking about i do love seeing flash on more things give the white more flash please that's great love it um but i don't really have too many feelings about this guy he just the art's very good uh jesper killing it once again as always you know um and i don't know do you want to move on to the next card Yes, I am happy to. Uh, so this next card is Siege Veteran. It is two and a white for a creature human soldier. It's a 2-2. And at the beginning of the combat on your turn, put a plus plus one counter on target creature you control. 
Whenever another non-token soldier you control dies, create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. So as a point of reference, uh, Luminarch Aspirant is in 12,000 decks on EDH rec. Um, obviously, Luminarch Aspirant costs less mana, um, but this does a couple things for you. Like, it is a uh, it is like a pretty good insurance policy in your soldier decks. Um, so that's kind of the main thing I'm thinking of. And then it is there. There aren't like a ton of Luminarch aspirants out there. Just things that will come down and starting on the first turn grant you a counter every single turn. And I think this kind of card is relevant for certain plus one plus one counter builds. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I think it has a couple narrow uses, but it's a good addition to the format. Yeah, this is the one time that I was upset that their uh, soldiers in the set are colorless artifacts because, like, this was almost like the perfect Kyler card. You know, like mm. you put the counter on Kyler, you get the token. If something dies, it's still huge. Um, and Kyler being the human tribal, like, who's basically a a uh, just anthem. You, it get, gives your humans plus one plus one for each counter on him to all of your humans so mm, i was like oh, so close but yeah i think if the, i was just playing a soldier list i would still play this i think this is good enough you got that insurance policy and that's really something you need in soldier decks where you're just putting a ton of stuff on the battlefield do you want to move on can i get into this next card yeah go for it yeah so this next one is soul partition so this is an instant mana value two costs one and a white it says exile target non-land permanent for as long as that card remains exiled its owner may play it a spell cast by an opponent in this way costs two generic more to cast so soul partition made some waves in cdh metas it's like a white spell that like stops a bunch of combos and i think that gives it merit in white too i don't like think this is bumping anything out necessarily but if you have like a fairly aggressive meta this could save your life. It has combos with um, what was the wind card? Uh, Draneth Magistrate. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, Draneth Magistrate definitely it combos with. Uh, I was thinking of there's the Ikoria card, the blue one that's three mana that does this without the tax. Um, and I would play that to get extra cast triggers on on things in my Arjun list. Oh, um, like release to the winds. Yeah, release to the winds. Thank you sometimes there's too many cards to remember but that card so release to the winds was or not not release to the winds it was uh oh sorry release to the wind singular oh wind <laughs> so this card is a um instant it costs two and a blue it says exile target non-land permanent for as long as that card remains exiled its owner may cast it without paying its mana cost um so a little bit different um obviously <laughs> but i think this fits in a lot of the same places if if you're doing like an Azorius kind of thing where you're casting spells or you just are trying to save something of your own, um, if you have something with a cast trigger. Um, so I think it has applications. I, I The problem with it is I don't know like where necessarily. So unless you're in that more high end of the CDH meta, like I don't think um, Timmy Tammy is going to be really excited about this card. I mean, maybe it like does stop the opposing six six tramples from hitting them you know? I, I would i don't think timmy and this is a timmy or tammy card this is no <laughs> uh just a versatile card for spike 
that will hopefully buy you a turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it can also screw over some combos. Like if if someone tries to combo off and you do this, and all of a sudden the combo is interrupted, like that player's probably dead. <laughs> you know, like everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, we have to kill you now." <laughs> like <laughs> this, this is we got to do this. So I, I feel like that's uh, this card is like a mark for death in high powered metas. So interesting. Do you want to get into the next card? Uh, yes, the next card is Tokasia's Welcome. It is two and a white for an enchantment. Whenever one or more creatures with mana value three or less enter the battlefield under your control, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. Um, so I was thinking this would be best in decks that are able to or interested in making creatures on your opponent's turn. So like Afara, for example, is pretty similar ability so afara wants you to run a bunch of flash creatures so you or like to you know to, instant speed token generators so you can make creatures on your opponent's turns and that's like just very good easy synergy right there um there's also your there's also um sorry that well there's yorion that works too if you've got yorion and like a charming prince or uh something similar some like or even like a flicker wisp or something just something that will allow you to blink yorion and get the like uh the loop going where like once per turn yorion comes back and then um gets flickered and blah 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 so that it could be good there um i was thinking also like benny brax the Mm -hmm. mono white thing that like whenever you essentially like once per turn if you made a token that turn you draw a card Benny Brax is also interested in like spreading that draw out across your opponent's turns. So this would be a good fit there. Um, the council of four is another. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, it has like whenever a player casts their second spell during their turn, you create a two, two white knight creature token. So assuming your opponents are just sort of like playing relatively low curves or trying to do multiple things in a turn. Um, I think this will probably draw you a couple cards off the welcome over the course of a round of turns. And then like maybe Kaikar, maybe Gavi Nestwarden, maybe Tura Kenarud, everyone's favorite from Dominaria United. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> possibly those. Uh, although you could argue that like maybe you just don't even bother with this in a blue identity because you just have easier ways to draw cards. Yeah, maybe but, I'm, I feel like so like some of the ones were like welcoming vampire because this is where I looked when I saw this card because welcoming vampire is in uh, 34,000 decks on EH rec. Um And some of that is because it fits into like an Edgar Markov because it's a vampire and like we'll draw you some cards and also uh, a decent amount of people like sub a thousand but like 600 something decks picked up Edgar charmed groom so it kind of goes into those ones pretty easy. But, um, like, God Eternal Aketra, this is in, like, 1,700 decks. Like, Abdel, Adrian, Gorion's Ward, um, and then, like, Adeline. So, I, th- I think you're you're correct. Like, if I'm p- making tokens on other people's turns, especially in, like, mono-white, like, I'm probably going to play this card. So, it seems like this... I- I'm assuming this is going to be popular in the things you said, plus more things benny brax in particular too is a seems to be a very popular uh 
deck, you know, in mono white at this point. Yeah, it is worth noting though that because it's an enchantment, like it's a little bit harder to fit into your deck than like you know, if if you have like a welcoming vampire, then you're getting your vampire synergies or you're getting your just like creature synergies mm-hmm. to Cage's welcome is like I'm doing this sort of instead of yeah. developing my board with more creatures. So it's something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the interesting thing about this is I've noticed that the three mana things that do that are more forgivable than like the five plus mana enchantments that do that. Like yeah. when I've cast, um, oh, now I can't think of uh, an example, like not a Cathar's Crusade, because I usually just play that when I'm going to do something. But when I play like a five mana enchantment that needs a turn to work, like a mana reflection or something, you know, six mana, um, I've noticed that punishes me more than when I cast like some little thing like this. So that might be a plus to this guy, but um, yeah. We'll see. I, I guess let's get into the next card. It, this is our last sneaky white card. It's it's a commander white card. <laughs> but yeah, um, you want me to read it off real quick? Go for it. So this is Urza Silex. So this is a three mana art legendary artifact uh, that has two abilities. The first one is an activated ability. It says two white white. Uh, so four mana tap and exile Urza Silex. Each player chooses six lands they control destroy all other permanents activate only as a sorcery um, and the second ability says when urza silex is put into exile from the battlefield you may pay two generic if you do search your library for a planeswalker card reveal it put it into your hand and then shuffle so we got an artifact synergy board wipe slash uh kind of effect you know like this is cool. I actually really like this. Like if you do happen to do the wombo combo, like six mana, get like an Elspeth sun's champion off of this thing, like good on you, (laughs) you know, like, like congrats. That seems like a blast. It seems like you're probably going to kind of walk away from that game pretty happy. But, uh, yeah, where, where would you play this? How are you feeling about it? Um, so I think most decks wouldn't want to run this over like an hour of revelation or a farewell. Um, but maybe in decks that can grant indestructibility to your stuff, like Avacyn 1.0 or like Linvala 3.0. Um, also, it is worth noting that if you have some way to blink this, um, it's kind of just like a repeatable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Planeswalker Sneaky. tutor. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. so like maybe if you've got like a Brago Planeswalker list or th- something like that. Um, you could think about messing with like this and that kind of shell. Yeah, I, I think that's cool. That's my favorite thing. I've been trying to think about a deck that would want to do that naturally. Like what deck wants to play artifacts and blink things like so. Because uh, I'm, that- I'm hoping that we get to see more cards like Teleportation Circle and that mm-hmm. like blinking artifacts becomes like a regular part of white's identity but yeah that would be really cool yeah so until then this is just a cool tool if you uh reanimate artifacts so like you can not have to draw it but you can just get it back like if you're playing a white deck where milling is as good as drawing cards this is probably good if you're playing like white decks like like nick said um then this is probably pretty good for you 
Um, but farewell is so it's so good. Like I don't know until we get like a five mana farewell. I don't know if farewell is going to be topped. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's going to be. I don't know how long the long arc of power creep is going to take to get there. But yeah, they did they did a really strong thing with that one. But now we're in blue. I'm rambling. Um, so I guess I'll read off this first blue card and then I'll stop rambling. So this is Defabricate. It's an instant with mana value two, costs one and a blue. And it says choose one, counter, target, artifact, or enchantment spell. If a spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. And then it, the other option is counter, target, activated, or triggered ability. Um, so I like these cards. These cards have been like pretty good for me these modal things uh, specifically the ones that have triggered abilities so like tails end is a card that i've played a lot mm-hmm. and uh has been really good and it's just because if you you can counter a, a commander you can counter like a planeswalker ult you know you can do a bunch of stuff with it so this seems like if you have a lot of like enchantment artifact decks in your meta this is probably going to be fine you're going to have some relevant thing that you do want to counter um and like hitting a uh a mind slaver or something off this just seems like you that person is just cast to the shadow realm you know you're like <laughs> no <laughs> so yeah how do you how do you feel about this where do you want to play this uh i i like this card i i think this is a lot of versatility i would prefer to have like some sort of base mode or like base utility in this deck uh, or like in the deck before I consider running it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the first thing I was thinking of was like Lord of Tressorhorn. Um, so Lord of Tressorhorn is like a 10-4 for four mana that has like this ETB with all these terrible things that happen to you and all these great things that happen to your your opponents. And the the joke of the deck is just like I like stifling that or running Torpor Orb or having some way to avoid this terrible drawback and just keeping your 10-4. So Lord of Tressorhorn is very interested in stifle effects. This seems like a great fit there. And then I agree, like if you have like an artifact or enchantment heavy meta, um, this is a pretty appealing card. Like I wouldn't run a null by itself. Um, I don't run stifle by itself, but the combination of the two is appealing. And if you can just get one of them to be useful most of the time, then this is just an easy card to fit in your deck. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, so cool that we're getting like you might have noticed, listener, we're getting a lot of cool like tools in this set. I, I cannot believe actually how many like rad little artifacts and instants and sorceries that just kind of fit places they gave us. So uh speaking of which, do you want to get into this next card? <laughs> Sure. Uh, this next card is Flow of Knowledge. Uh, it's four and a blue for an instant. Draw a card for each island you control, then discard two cards. Um, and it's, I don't think this is bad in mono blue. Um, like if the base case is draw five, discard two, that's quite good. Um, but I'll point out that nobody is really playing Graven Lore. Um, Graven Lore yeah. being the, the three blue, blue, snow instant. Uh, where you can scry X, where X is the amount of snow mana paid on it, and then draw three cards. Uh, That's in about 4,000 decks on EDH rec, so not a lot. And I think there's just like mm, not a huge appetite for 
efficient mid cost blue instant speed card draw spells especially ones that require you to have like a mono blue identity I, th- yeah. I think that like there's just been too much good draw over the years or these kind of cards just like aren't sexy enough to really get people's attention no i i am right there with you like the amount of times i've looked at um i don't know i'm trying to think of uh one of those like five mana draw threes and been really excited graven lore is the best example of it but there's also like uh scour the laboratory it's the six mana instant uh that costs two less if you have delirium and it just says draw three cards or um uh god we've gotten so many of them over the years and, yeah uh memory deluge mm-hmm. in um mid and also i think like what is it called like scattered thoughts mm-hmm. yeah I, I used to play jace's ingenuity you know like back in 2012 um that was a card that a lot of me and my friends were playing at the time and um and one of the first play groups that i was in like big commander play groups and um they put like precognitive perception, which is the addendum card from uh, RNA, uh, into some decks sometimes. And it's a draw three. And if it's your main phase, cry three. And that hasn't really taken off. So I think like there's, it's a weird place. Like people play the X spells and people play like the ponders and the, the thought scours, you know, like the one mana cantrips and stuff like that. But they aren't mm-hmm. playing these like mid game draw spells and i don't know exactly why you know like i'll I'll see a thirst for meaning every now and then i'll like three mana draw three but i won't see like a draw three and then discard one or two but i don't see these like five mana hand refills as much as you'd think you know it might just be a matter of like how much mana you're willing to hold open on your opponent's turns Mm -hmm. like maybe people are just more interested in like actually doing something sorcery speed like committing a a permanent to the board uh and then like just keeping open like three mana so that they can answer something or if if there's nothing that need answering then i i cast my thirst for meaning and that's is that's kind of play pattern is what's pushing out these like mid cost draw spells yeah because i i was i remember seeing intellectual offering and stuff like that like back in the uh monocolored commander decks and being like oh that's cool like like that's a cool thing to do and then the amount of times i played intellectual offering is like one <laughs> you know like <laughs> one time since whatever it was 2014 or whenever that card came out so it's uh yeah i i uh value these cards a lot lower now but i guess let's get into the next card this is another uh, sneaky blue card yes uh this next card is hulking metamorph it is 9 mana for a 7-7 seven, seven artifact creature shapeshifter. You may have Hulking Metamorph enter the, co- enter the battlefield as a copy of an artifact or creature you control, except it's an artifact creature in addition to its other types, and its power and toughness are equal to Hulking Metamorph's power and toughness. It also has prototype for 2 blue-blue, and it's a blue 3-3 three, three when you do that. Um, so two modes. You have the incredibly expensive 9 mana 7-7 seven, seven, clone one of your things uh or the four mana three three clone one of your things uh i i don't love clones that are limited to things you control because that cuts out like one of the the best ways you can get value off of a clone which is like 
your opponent casts a seven or eight drop and then you spend four mana copying it and you got the same thing for a huge discount. Um, so that's not amazing, but even mediocre clones still see play uh, in decks like Kaga the Tide Star, where you want to be like every clone, even if it's like, like basically you're only interested in copying your own stuff, your, your own Kaga in that deck. Or like Sakashima 2.0, uh, where you're trying to usually trying to make a million copies of like one of your commanders. Like clones that copy your stuff is not a huge downside in those types of builds. Um mm-hmm. and then of course, like any clone works, you can combo it with Sharoom, but well, this is not gonna make there there because any There's clone works ones. for that deck, yeah, you're not yeah. gonna run this one. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that like this costing what it does and uh only hitting your stuff isn't uncommon in the set and this like a seven seven clone for seven was a mythic back in the day and like scars are mirrored in so <laughs> yeah quicksilver behemoth or whatever yeah yeah so I, I i think it's funny i'm i think you'll know if you want this if you're like oh yeah another clone then then heck yeah go get it have have fun have at it my friend but i'm I don't really care about this guy. <laughs> uh, I will say that like most clones, um, or, or like a lot of clones are good in decks with like blink sub-themes, and this is especially good in that type of clone deck. Just mm-hmm. because you can play it for the cheap cost and then get the 7-7 the version later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, this next card is pretty wild. So this is... Um, a card depicting a moment that I had thought about a lot over the years, which is pretty interesting. So this is Hercule's final medica- meditation, not medication. <laughs> That's what I need for my cough. Um, so <laughs> Hercule's final meditation is a seven mana instant, but wait, it gets more expensive. Uh, it says as long as it's not your turn, the spell costs three generic more to cast. So on your turn, it's, it's seven. <laughs> but uh on anyone else's turn it's 10 and so that i forgot to read off the base cost it's four blue 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 or on anyone else's turn it's seven blue 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 so what does it do why does it cost that much it says return all non-land permanents to their owner's hands end the turn um so i love that line of text it is three words that is actually like a million words hidden behind it um Mm -hmm. does a ton of stuff um and basically what this is is it's like 10 mana to well 10 mana quote quote you know to absolutely wreck somebody usually save your butt uh and just screw someone royally um and perhaps the whole table so perhaps the whole table will celebrate your hercules final meditation but uh they also might uh scorn your name you know in the in the dead of night after the game is over because you were able to stop something that would have killed you. So this is just a big splashy effect. I I think it's not a universal card, but you noted a deck that is pretty good at casting really big splashy things. Well, well, I I do want to mention that I think a lot of people's first instinct, like if they really want to play this card, which you know if you yeah it's whatever (laughs) Uh, but if you really want to play this card i think a lot of people are going to go towards uh joda 1.0 um 
Joda, the one that allows you to pay Wooberg instead of paying things mana cost. Mm -hmm. But because it's in the text, because the cost increased is in the text box, you're still going to have to pay three more if you cast it using an alternate cost like Jonah. Yeah. So it's going to be eight mana instead of five. uh, Just for all the Joda heads out there. Yeah. So not a huge discount on this thing. Um, So I, I just think this card is too fair um like no i'm right there with you i i think that this is like i'll cast this for fun as a pet card but i'm not really recommending to play it anywhere Mm -hmm. that's basically kind of where i'm at with it too (laughs) if the bounce was asymmetrical i would oh oh. i would pay more attention to it but so good uh i i think we can move on to the next incredibly expensive blue card yeah yeah this is also also a very expensive blue card and uh arguably uh more powerful question mark i guess this one is a mythic and the last one isn't but uh do you want me to read this off i'll go for it this is one with the multiverse it is six blue blue for an enchantment you may look at the top card of your library anytime you may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library and once during each of your turns you may cast a spell from your hand or the top of your library without paying its mana cost um so I'll note that like unlike a lot of you know future sight effects, um I would not recommend trying to use this as a combo piece just because it's way, way, way too expensive. Um mm-hmm. but it is interesting as like a kind of a crappy version of omniscience. So I would consider running it in like Joyra of the Yitu, um, so suspend Joyra, or Jota 1.0 that allows you to cast things for for Wooberg, like we just mentioned. Uh, maybe like less competitive Narset builds, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Narset, or or like Jacob Hauken, the looter who transforms into something kind of similar to this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking Val Candlekeep Sage because Val is the chooser from uh, Baldur's Gate who mm-hmm. adds mana equal to their toughness uh, to cast spells not from your hand or like to, to do stuff that's not spells from your hand. So like this is a future site. <laughs> it's another future site. So and you're already like kind of ramping pretty hard with that deck in general, like no matter what your color identity being that. I think Val starts as three, like makes three mana at first. It's like a mm-hmm. one three or something like that. So make it Val bigger, get bigger spells, cheat one with the multiverse into play, the cast spells off the top of your deck, profit. So that seemed good to me. All right. Uh, I think we can move on from there. Uh, next, we've got Sky Strike Officer. This is two and a blue for a two three creature human soldier with flying. Whenever Sky Strike Officer attacks, create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token and tap three untapped soldiers you control, draw a card. Um, so, I mean, naturally you put this in Harbin, the, the blue-white soldier commander, mm-hmm. but there is like zero support for blue soldiers outside of Brothers War. Um, Wolves, if this is a card I would look out for if... Um, they return to this in the future if they mm-hmm. like focus on if like soldier becomes a reg- regular creature type for blue creatures but as it stands right now this is just too narrow yeah if if 
blue gets more soldier tribal that might become one of my favorite tribals <laughs> like this card is so cool and it's like i don't really want to build harbin but like if another blue soldier commander comes out like ooh, ooh, like you know it's getting my tiddly's winked you know it's, it's that's pretty cool yeah there i really like um tribal decks in blue i think blue just naturally has some really fun effects that mm-hmm. synergize with like just i love my coastal piracy effects i love my biden oh, also so just like getting access to counter spells so you can really easily answer like mm-hmm. board wipes which are the things that kills your deck um i so I, I would love to see more tribal support for soldiers in blue but um we'll see i, I think it it could just be because this set is about a war and it's not and like Urza is blue and his side had a lot of soldiers. I, it, it might be like a perfect storm and we never see the support for this again. But Yeah, and then I'll just cry. I'll just cry. Years from now, I'll stare lovingly at Sky Strike Officer and shed a single tear, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, this next card is, is pretty crazy. Um, so it's crazy for a few reasons that aren't necessarily what it does. Um, so this is the Temporal Anchor. So this is a blue legendary artifact for six mana. It costs three blue, blue, blue. So three blue, blue, blue for this legendary artifact. What does it do? It says at the beginning of your upkeep, scry two. But that's not all. It says whenever you choose to put one or more cards on the bottom of your library while scrying, exile that many cards from the bottom of your library. It says during your turn, you may play cards exiled with the temporal anchor. So you don't even have, it's not even like impulse draw off the bottom. It's just like, as long as this is here and as long as there's cards exiled, you can play them off of, off on your turn. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's basically saying draw three a turn in some ways. Um, so what's crazy about this is like the wording, like it's a cool technology that they were like exile that many from the bottom. I think that's cool, but like it's, it's a, I don't know. It's weird that they did it like this. It's the it's. I feel like this is something I would put in like an Elminster. Um, I would put this in an Elegith um, because that that you're just actually drawing three cards a turn and you, you're getting to six routinely in that list. Uh, Elegith is one of the partners from uh, oh. Commander Legends. Oh, I don't think it works that well with Elegith though, because it's like I can choose to just draw them. Yeah. Or. Or, like, have them be tied to this anchor. Mm, yeah, but I, wouldn't you just draw them? Right? And then uh, if Elegith dies, you're still drawing, like, extra cards? Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Like, like if you're worried about Elegith dying, then, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, the one time I, I put together a deck, an Elegith deck, just on, like, a cards on my de- like desk deck and brought it to a, a game night one time, and... People killed the crap out of that Sphinx. People were like, <laughs> you cannot have this. And I was like, "Why? <laughs> come on, guys. So uh, I guess maybe that's probably why I was thinking on that axis is like, they do not want you to have that Sphinx. Like mm. enemy number one for some reason. I don't I don't get it. But yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting card. Do you have any, uh, any other thoughts on this or do you want to move on? Uh, I'll just say one last thing, which is like, so surveil is deciduous now and we actually saw it on another card in the set um so tokasia um she's in the set right or is she a commander exclusive mm-hmm. card yeah she's in the set 
Um, so she grants creatures who control vigilance and surveil one. So, and of course we have like Tukaja's dig site, uh, also gives you surveil. So given that there are cards in the set that surveil, I kind of wish this just called out surveil as well. And like was worded, like whenever you choose like not to put a card on top or, or like, I don't know. There, there, there is certainly a way to word it so that putting something in your graveyard or on the bottom of your library would just put it under the anchor. I think that would perhaps be, well, I'd like to see those two abilities batched because they're so similar and the decks that want one might also be interested in another, but maybe that's just me. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm happy either way. Like, we honestly haven't gotten like too much. We we very obviously haven't gotten that much surveil, and we they put scry on a lot of like limited things. Not that many like constructed playable or like EDH playable things. So I'm happy with either. I think this would have been cool as surveil, and I think this is an interesting technology that we might get to see a little bit more here too. So. Um, can I read off this next guy? Yes. Yeah, so this is our last blue card, and again, it is a very sneaky uh, commander blue card. So this is a Terrasian. Terrasian? Terrasian. That sounds good. That sounds good to my brain. Terrasian Mindbreaker is a 6-4 artifact creature juggernaut for 7 mana, uh, and it has whenever Terrasian Mindbreaker attacks... Defending player mills half their library, rounded up, and it has unearth of one blue, blue, blue. So four mana to unearth your six four to get them to mill half their library again. Um, so this is basically a fleet swallower, but like kind of, kind of worse, honestly. <laughs> um, and I don't yeah, think I'm, fleet I'm pretty... swallower sees that much play, honestly. Yeah, so I'm pretty trolled that this card can't mill your library so on fleet swallower is just target player um and so this loses out the functionality in self mill decks which is really unfortunate because it like the unearth makes it especially like would have made it especially good in self mill decks because it's kind of good whether it would have been good whether you mill it or whether you just like play it normally like yeah uh um that that being said like I think that there are probably some mill decks that will give it some love, especially so if you're focusing on trying to mill out your opponents, like you would probably have some symmetrical stuff um, like Mesmeric Orb or something. So this might give you some additional value anyway, if you mill it off of your symmetrical uh, mill effects. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think uh, you'll, You'll be if you read if or if you're listening if you haven't seen the set in full at this point and you heard me talk about this card and you were excited that's probably a sign that it goes into your mill deck um, and other than that it's kind of kind of unexciting to me but we are in the black cards uh, do you want to read out this first one sure this is disciples of Gix it is four black black for a four four creature for Exian human when disciples of Gix enters the battlefield search your library for up to three artifact cards put them into your graveyard then shuffle. Uh, what do you think about this card? I really like this card. So it's a Phyrexian. So as we get more Phyrexians and possibly Phyrexian tribal, that might matter. But really, it's just like 
six mana, here's your combo, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is uh, pretty good. Um, this reminds me of, uh, so Nick had a uh, Iname Death Aspect uh, spirit, mono black spirit tribal list like years and years ago mm-hmm. that basically did something similar to this. You just got what you needed to make your engine go and just went. That that kind of reminds me of what Disciples of Gix are doing. So I, I'm into it. I think that's cool. If if you um, have like an engine using artifacts in your graveyard, Disciple of Gix gets there for you. Um, and outside of that, whatever. You know, it, you're just not going to play it. <laughs> so yeah, that's. I don't really think there's too much more to say about it. Yeah, I... I will say that like if I could have paid four for this and gotten only two artifact cards, it would have been approximately like five times better. Oh but. yeah. F- a 500% increase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, I guess on the bright side, it is an ETB, right? So you don't have to, it's not like a cast trigger or like if you cast it or, you know, something like that. Yeah. So that's good. Let me, let me take a look at, uh, ooh, what's the, is it like I'm trying to think of the name of the violent tumor? I just want to really quickly uh, take a look and see how much play that guy's getting because it's, or I guess okay, that's in twenty two thousand decks. Um, Gravebreaker Lamia, how's that doing? I, it wasn't super good last I checked, but I might have changed. Uh, that's in eighteen thousand decks. So all right, all right, okay, all right. I think. People will, even though this is narrow, there are a lot of artifact creature or a lot of artifact based combos. Yeah. Also, um, Necrons. Oh, yeah. You know, Necrons just came out. So, this is boom, slot that bad boy right in there, you know? Okay. This might, uh, maybe this got more legs than I, I gave it credit for at first. But uh, are you ready to move on to the next card? Absolutely. This one's funny. <laughs> uh, so, it's Fateful Handoff. Three and a black for a sorcery. Draw cards equal to the mana value of target artifact or creature you control. An opponent gains control of that permanent. Uh, so when I saw this, I thought of like, it, I thought it could be an alternate means of donating permanence in Blim. Blim being the the Rakdos guy that gives booby prizes to your opponents. Um, but I think it's kind of awkward that you have to cast it after whatever you're donating. So like with oh, Blim, yeah. like it's nice that you can cast Blim and then the turn you're going to be attacking with him and giving something away, that's when you cast your Immortal Coil or, or whatever you're passing along. Um, whereas with Fateful Handoff, like it, it's going to cost you eight mana in one turn to like play an Immortal Coil and give it away. And trying to survive for a turn, like trying to just like play one of these booby prizes uh, and then like pass the turn and try to untap with it so you can give it away to someone else that is seems extremely likely to kill you with because <laughs> that's just the nature of these cards you're running mm-hmm. is is this like a um if your deck is running like homeward path type things like this can just be a straight up draw spell you're like here's my eight drop also hello eight drop that like, that's a cute idea um so I, I don't know if like I think a lot of decks are not gonna be consistently getting homeward path often enough, but there are a couple commanders that like have a similar line of text. Mm-hmm. Um like isn't there a Tristani that gives you all your stuff back if it gets stolen? 
Um, oh yeah, yeah, the green white one, the the Tristani two point It yeah, it gives you all your creatures back. Okay, let me. I'm just gonna see really quick how many commanders there are like that. Um, oh, so you could like you could run it in Amina two, and then oh, yeah. Bl- yeah. blink the permanent you own, and then return it to the battlefield under your control. That that could be a thing. Although you are in a blue color identity, so this is like a relatively weird way to try to draw some cards <laughs> when yeah. you can just use your blue stuff. I yeah, I mean the the payoff is big though. Like if you're like if you can donate a seven plus drop and get it back like four mana for seven cards in black that you didn't have to pay life for is like pretty big game so i think the juice is worth the squeeze like if you're doing that and then you have your if you're in like black green you have sylvan tutors and your demonic tutors and if you're just in black you have demonic tutor so it seems fun i feel like there's decks where this is gonna be cool it's it's definitely a cute card you know it's definitely like a like oh man fateful handoff but yeah yeah okay here's here's one last thing you could do that before we move on so you're running karthus right Mm -hmm. Uh, you play a dragon you give away that dragon and then you play karthus and get it back and suddenly that's cool for the first time ever karthus ability will be able to get value for you instead (laughs) of screwing you over yeah (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) i actually really like that i think that's pretty fun because yeah, you spent all of your hand like ramping to eight or whatever he costs, right? Like mm-hmm. so, and then the, the first clone that gets cast just destroys your entire game plan. <laughs> classic, yeah. classic, classic Karthus. Uh, okay, moving on. Next, we've got hostile negotiations. It's three and a black for an instant. Exile the top three cards of your library in a face down pile. Then exile the top three cards of your library in another face down pile. Look at the cards in each pile. Then turn a pile of your choice face up. An opponent chooses one of those piles. Put that pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. You lose three life. Um, (laughs) It's so funny. This is a silly little mini game card. Um, It's, it it of course gains some value in a multiplayer format where you can, you know, if you're digging for a wrath or something, you can show an opponent who's losing very badly. Hey, this pile has a wrath in it. Please give this one to me. Um, or, or something similar, like here's removal for the thing that's murdering us all. Um, so that's, that is something. Uh, but I tend to want just cards that I know how they work every time. Um, I'm I look at this and I think of like Midnight Bargain or even um Demons Do. Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Uh the four mana instant scry two, then draw two cards, you lose two life. Like um I think of cards like that. Uh just I know how they will work pretty much every time. I get to dig X number of cards down and get the thing I need and don't have to rely on my opponent being a real nice pal. But, uh, yeah, I, so that, that could just be me. No, I, so I, I like this card in general. I think like if I see someone cast this, I think it makes sense. You're digging six cards deep. You're going to very easily be able to like make a deal with someone to be like, Hey man, I just, I'm, I, we need to deal with this or whatever. And, and six cards for four mana at instant speed is like, 
a pretty pretty good way to dig. So I'm, I I don't begrudge anyone for wanting to play this or playing this, but people I, I've I've been playing Scattered Thoughts over um, Factor Fiction for a little while now, just because like I know like I can factor fiction pretty easy i can look at two piles and for the most part like it'll take me less than 30 seconds to go oh man okay here are the piles and hand them back but like not everyone can do that or or like wants to do that sometimes people are like how do you feel about this and or, i think or that's like they, valid you know or, or they want to consult the table like. yeah yeah exactly and so, so scattered scattered thoughts just for everyone who probably doesn't doesn't know is um it's an instant it's a common from uh vow that's three in a blue it says look at the top four cards put two in your hand and two in your graveyard um so very very you're missing a card on the factor fiction sometimes but like kind of not really <laughs> at the same time mm-hmm. um and it's just way faster because i just look and i go these boom done um that that's kind of that's another thing i was thinking about with this card like you're totally right like just in terms of respecting everyone's time <laughs> um like like i this could easily add it's just like i i dislike on principle cards that add busy work to the game that like prevent more gameplay from happening um we we don't need more cards like that in commander i will always be mad about tybalt's trickery and the totally superfluous like dice roll component um anyway like uh yeah i I think that's a a a great reason not to run this card yeah and i almost want to like well i I still think i think there are play groups where the and we have friends who are like this like they enjoy the two-hour game and the hostile negotiations fits really into that where you got some brewskis with the friends you're sitting down you're like making jokes about the piles and whatever and someone's helping you out so i think in like metas like that it's fine but if you're like going to uh well i don't know i I think it really comes down to taste this is not a card i'm gonna play for the reasons we've stated but I, i do see like where this fits into the format and it fits into the like social aspect the social players deck you know um because it's still a draw three for four at instant speed and black so it's pretty pretty good um but yeah let's move on to this next one this next one's um is pretty good honestly so this is razor lash transmogrant um so this is a three one artifact creature zombie for two mana so what what does it do it says razor lash transmogrant can't block uh okay can't block whatever then it has four black black return razor lash transmogrant from your graveyard to the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it this ability costs four generic less to activate if an opponent controls four or more non-basic lands so i know the last every game i've played for a while there's been a player with four or more non-basic lands Mm -hmm. uh and so this is basically black black get a 4-2 back from the graveyard um and that's pretty good <laughs> you know having an artifact reassembling skeleton not the worst you know yeah it a couple things to note like you know if you do that it is no longer skull clamp compliant um 
and but it is still pretty good like it's not the best in class but if you are going for a critical mass of these things and you're running or you're playing a metagame with a lot of like three color decks or whatever then this seems like totally fine to run and you'll probably be just as happy feeding it into your attrition as as you would have been a reassembling skeleton Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree and do you want to keep on moving yes uh last black card we've got um transmogrant's crown is two mana for an artifact equipment equipped creature gets plus two plus oh whenever equipped creature dies draw a card and it has equip for two or a single black mana and so uh man speaking of skull clan <laughs> <laughs> uh this is yeah this is not a good card um they fixed it they fixed skull clan yeah they fixed it the way a dog gets fixed um <laughs> This has been neutered, and I, I feel like you should just run like Dark Prophecy or Midnight Reaper or something. Like there are ways you can replicate this effect that um, don't require you to spend a bunch of mana. They'll require some life out of you, but that's fine. Whatever you're playing black, you knew what you were signing up for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I I don't hate this. I mean, this is a very good limited card, which is very funny. I think it's fine in a black deck but that's kind of like fine <laughs> like, I, the thing it what well one of the things i really dislike about it relative so obviously it's not as good as skull clamp but even like comparing it to a dark prophecy or a midnight reaper or something like it's not good wrath protection like mm-hmm. that's true I'm, if somebody wraths the board when you've got midnight reaper out like you okay you lost your board but now you have like seven cards in hand like you can't do that with Transmogrant's Crown. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. I, I think this is probably for like an Arden Black list or something like that, where like you're just kind of suiting up one guy or something. That's probably where I expect to see it. But like, yeah, it is markedly worse, you know, like decidedly worse than a Skull Clamp, if that's the part you're interested in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so let's get to red. So this first red card is is cool. It's called Bitter Reunion. Uh, it is an enchantment, and it costs two, so mana value of two, one and a red. When Bitter Reunion enters the battlefield, you may discard a card. If you do, draw two cards. And it has an ability, one, sacrifice Bitter Reunion. Creatures you control gain haste until end of turn. Um, This is cool. I, I really like this. Uh, I love this. So Tormenting Voice is in 38,000 decks on EDH rec. Uh, and this is better in two ways. So first off, like it, you can't get two for one. So because tormenting voice is an additional cost, you must discard a card. Uh, if somebody counters it, then you just lost two cards to their one. Whereas bitter reunion, cause it's on ETB trigger. Like if they counter the bitter reunion, you, it's a one for one. Um, so that's very nice. That's a good addition. Uh, also, just like the incidental haste granting is huge and uh, a really, really nice bonus. I like that a lot. Um, I I am a big fan of this card. Uh, the only downside is like it's not nearly as good in like spell slinger decks that really care about the fact that Tormenting Voice is a sorcery. But in just like decks that want to discard, say, big fatties to your graveyard, 
and then like get them back and then sacrifice itself to give them haste like this is a very sweet card yeah no, i'm right there with you i don't really have much to add i think it's just a cool card i'm gonna run it you probably will want to run it in some decks and and we can move on and just put a nice little gold star in that one mm-hmm. um so this next card is called brotherhood's end it is a three mana sorcery one red red it says choose one uh the first option is brother's end or brotherhood's end deals three damage to each creature in each planeswalker the second option is destroy all artifacts with mana value three or less um i feel like at one point in time this would have just seen play in like someone's troll deck to like blow up soul rings or whatever but now like with treasure and clues and all the two and three mana rocks that we have this is just a staple you know like i think this is just good <laughs> like you're just gonna see brotherhood's end you know from from now on yeah i really like this card um just to put it in perspective like fiery confluence is a is fairly similar um and that's in fourteen thousand decks on edh rec this can't kill the more expensive artifacts but it is like a mana cheaper than fiery confluence uh, i agree i think it's just a very good card um I will say, uh, I wish that Red had more ways to basically like keep things on the board to like invest in the board. Maybe I just wish there were more good Red enchantments. That's what I wish. Mm-hmm. Um, because like Red has so many cards that like blow up creatures or blow up artifacts or blow up both. I just wish that there were more ways for wet red to commit to the board safely and be able to like control the board without losing its own stuff. But, but I think that's just, I, I want more good red enchantments at the end. <laughs> yeah. And with that note, do you want to talk about this red enchantment? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Uh, this is mechanized warfare. It's one red, red for an enchantment. If a red or artifact source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent opponent controls, it deals that much damage plus one instead. Um, so Ember Maw Hellion is like the closest point of reference. That's a five mana creature that essentially does the same thing, just like gives a plus one damage to your stuff. Um, so, and, and like Ember Maw Hellion sees play in Zerzoth decks. Uh, that's the, the Devil Maker commander. Um, Torbrand decks, which adds two damage to your stuff. Um, Perforos 1.0, Sozu the Punisher, the Ankh of Mishra commander that burns people when they play lands, and Clothis, the like green red god from Theros Beyond Death. So all of them run Ember Maw. I think they would be happy with this as well, probably instead because it's cheaper and less fragile. Um, but I think it's a cool card and. I'm sure I'm missing some things like maybe Gearson healer more for Gearson Stern healer more for other pinging type commanders would, would also be interested in this. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have nothing to add. I think it's a great card. Um, and I guess I'm just going to read off this next one if that's okay. Mm-hmm. So this is Mishra's research desk. This is a one mana artifact. So MV one, uh, Mishra's research desk has one tap sacrifice Mishra's research desk exile the top two cards of your library choose one of them until the end of your next turn you may play that card and it has unearth for one in a red so this is 
cool. It's kind of like um, it it's like a weird version of like draw two, exile to you for like four mana or five mana, I guess, in red, but you pay in like convenient installments. So I was saying like scattered thoughts earlier. This is like similar <laughs> in value to that. Um, and it fits into a lot of decks. It's a one mana artifact. Um, it gets you value. You could probably play it in like Baldorn. Uh, would you play this in Prosper? Is that good enough? I think I would play it in Prosper because you get two bites at the apple. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, and Ashnod the Uncaring is the same. So that's the new Grixis, uh, not the mono black one from the set, but the Grixis one from the precon. Um, so because you're sacrificing Mishra's research desk, you get two hits on it. So you're mm-hmm. actually getting four cards out of this if you uh, expend the unearthed as well. Uh, and not even to say like if you can reanimate this, you got like a salvaging station or something. You're drawing like extra cards every turn, you know. So um, just on the surface, it's like a two for one, and it can be way more if your deck is built around it. So um, I think this is cool. So yeah, any of the exile commanders, the prospers, the Ashnods, or uh, Prosper, Faldorn, we'll probably get more in the future. And then, uh, yeah, Ashnod, I, I can't think of anything else right now. Um, yeah, I think we can move on to this. Move on to the next card. Yeah, I do want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, this is over the top. It is five red, red for a sorcery. Each player reveals a number of cards from the top of their library equal to the number of non land permanents they control, puts all permanent cards they revealed this way onto the battlefield, and puts the rest into their graveyard. Uh, so, uh, I'm inclined to think that, like, if you uh, have the most non-land permanents, like, you're probably winning already, and you <laughs> could use like a more direct route to victory than just going for, uh, like, random value. That being said, this card does seem very fun. You know, everyone who's warp worlded knows just how much fun it is to slap a bunch of cards from the top of your library onto the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is um this could be part of a strategy. Like if you're just like making a ton of sapperlings or something like that, um, then you might be able to like chain this together with eternal witnesses and whatnot. So like uh you got a bunch of guys, you over the top, you eternal witness back, you get a bunch of landfall triggers, you cast it again, you know, like it, it might be part of like an endgame win con if you build your deck appropriately but i think most people are just going to play it as like like a warp world that's doesn't troll everybody (laughs) Mm -hmm. so uh in that regard i think it's fine you know if you got a lot of tokens treasure clues whatever then you know get it get get your bag it's good um and if not mm, i guess we'll just move on (laughs) because this next card honestly is like there's a ton of like well i guess not well maybe there's a ton to say about it i think there's a ton to say about it because it's really it's interesting it's cool it fits in a lot of decks presumably but we'll talk about that um so can i read off this next one is that okay uh yeah go for it so this is phyrexian dragon engine this is a two two uh artifact creature phyrexian dragon for three mana and it has double strike uh it says when Phyrexian Dragon Engine enters the battlefield from your graveyard, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw three cards. 
and it has unearthed for five, so three red red. And uh, something notable about this card, it melds with Mishra claimed by Gix. So if you're doing the like mythic uh, get, uh, Mishra that turns into the big like nine nine thing, this is the card that you need to meld with him. Um, but what what does that mean for this card? What is the color identity of this card? Uh, and if we know where we're putting it, like, <laughs> what do we do with it? So, is is this you? You put a note here about like its color identity. Do you want to get into yeah. that? Yeah. So this is not intuitive to me, but no, um, I I didn't get this at all. Yeah. So even though like if you look at the back side of the card and it's got like the the black and red piping from the the big Mishra, um. In the Commander variant, a meld card's color identity is determined only by the mana costs and mana symbols in the rules text of its front face. No symbols or rule tech or rules text of the permanent it melds into are considered. So even though like the backside is a black red card, uh, this is just a red card essentially, or it has a red color identity. Um, so that's important to note. It'll come up again later when we talk about the Mike Stone and Weak Stone. Um, I will also mention that, like, casting this card from the graveyard with, like, a Muldrotha, well, I guess you couldn't run it Muldrotha, but, like, a um, Chainer 2.0 doesn't work. Uh, you have to reanimate it or unearth it because if you are casting it from the graveyard, then it is leaving the graveyard, then going on the stack, and then going from the stack to the battlefield. So it is not going directly from the graveyard to the battlefield, and so it's not going to trigger. You gotta, you gotta do something a little fancier than that. Um, so something to keep in mind. I I think in certain decks this is a neat card, but I I really wish that both this card and the um, the like Canoptech Tomb Sentinel and and Triarch whatever from the necron deck i wish they just said like if it was cast from a graveyard or enters the battlefield from a graveyard like i wish it worked either way it's rare enough and i have seen a lot of people confused about this already Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely this is gonna just continue to confuse people for the the time it exists but it's it's good (laughs) (laughs) this is a really good card and uh I guess this is funny because this is confusing in multiple ways because it's got the meld color identity issue and then it's got the ETB from graveyard issue. So this is just somehow they turn this really cool, like simple looking card into like a rules nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That is a problem. There's other <laughs> also. Uh, uh, Well, there's other like really unintuitive things about this set too. Like we've got unearthed creature. I think like not many people necessarily know about how unearth interacts with uh like blinking or with phasing out like it's just a weird set it is a weird set yeah do you want to move on um yeah so next we've got sardian avenger which is one and a red for a one one creature goblin warrior with first strike and trample uh whenever it attacks it gets plus x plus o until end of turn where x is the number of artifacts your opponents control uh, so that is all artifacts across all opponents. 
Um, and whenever an artifact an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, Sardian Adventure deals one damage to that player. Well, normally, like, we tend to discount the value of just, like, pure direct damage on this podcast. But Jesus Christ, this is a lot of damage. Yeah, it's a, a huge amount of damage. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild. And, like, it never dies in combat because it's, like, if your opponents have any amount of artifacts, like, it's got first strike and trample so that's pretty funny so like treasure player get dunked basically Mm -hmm. um and also treasure player get dunked like this just it's it's a lot it's gonna hurt really bad um yeah that they somehow got this two mana goblin to probably deal like dozens of damage over the course of a game if you're playing with anyone with clues or treasure any kind of artifact token which is just wild so really high on this guy this guy's crazy strong yeah this guy is very neat um i would happily toss this into like my gabo decks um mm-hmm. or my like tor brands and things you know like boom like that's that's lightning bolting for each treasure is so much worse <laughs> like <laughs> oh god that hurts so yeah pretty good um don't talk about the next card it's very quick uh yes tyrant of care ridges four red red for a four five creature dragon with flying when it enters the battlefield it deals four damage to any target and you can pay red to give it plus and plus so until end of turn it's a dragon that controls the board boom in mono red boom lots of decks are gonna mm-hmm. give this a try yeah it's so funny like this is more or less just a shivan dragon but like they just took a power away and in instead you'd get to just nug something for four like it's so much better i don't know crazy it's crazy um but yeah that's pretty much it you're gonna play this in dragon decks and it's gonna kill things and you're gonna be happy um moving on yeah so this first one is uh a land so it is argoth sanctum of nature so this is uh the melds with titania voice of gaia but you don't have to. I'm going to let you know right now. So Argoth Sanctum of Nature enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a legendary green creature. Probably not hard to do in Commander. Uh, it says tap, add green. And it says two green green. So four mana. Tap. Create a two two green bear creature token. Then mill three cards. Activate only as a sorcery. Um, I think this is just good in green decks. Like green land decks. Green decks with a mill sub theme. I'm going to put this in Jared, probably. I'm going to put this in, uh, uh, what is it, Mina and Den? You know, like, I, this is just good if you're playing any of these decks that play out of the graveyard with green. It's good. It's just good. It's a good card. It doesn't take up any, any like, space because it's a land. It probably enters untapped if you have your commander out. Like, it, it's good. <laughs> you know? Yep. Seems like a fine magic card. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is like, um, that's. I mean, it's pretty marginal, but we've so were like the the Zendikar MDFC land. So, oh yeah, I yeah. think there's people are going to run this probably, mm-hmm. and like the Tatsunuma and you know the the cycling lands from uh, Neon Dynasty and stuff like that. Like those, honestly, like aren't too crazy, but they're good <laughs> you you play them um so this next one is audacity so the audacity is uh mana value one so it costs one green 
it's an aura, so an enchantment aura that says enchanted creature gets plus two plus zero oh and has trample. And when audacity is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. So I'm feeling like, and correct me if I'm wrong, they just printed a uh, aura commander that likes sacking its auras. Can you uh, remind me of if that if that's true or not? Did I dream <laughs> that it was? It felt like sets away. It felt like years well, ago. I, I think perhaps your dream has come true because <laughs> Mazzy True Sword Paladin loves this card. Uh, mm. Mazzy's got the ability whenever an aura you control is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, exile it. Until the end of your next turn, you may cast that card. Mm. Um, and, and this Baldur's Gate, that was how long ago now? How many sets ago? Did come <laughs> uh, many sets, uh, well, like probably more <laughs> sets than the number of months that have, yeah, that have passed but, since it came out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Audacity, so it's great in Mazzy. You just need, like Mazzy is all about getting some sort of enchantment sack outlet out, like an Oratog or whatever, or a Faith Healer. So you have your your Mazzy, you have your sack outlet, uh, and then you just like play Audacity, sack it, you can play it again, and you essentially have like one green mana, draw a card, and get whatever your sack outlet gets you. So that's pretty good. Uh, I think the deck is still looking for more just like cantrippy auras, so this is perfect mm-hmm. for that list. Yeah, Mazzy has really impressed me as I've seen it. I saw um, at least two versions at the summit, and I loved everything that i saw with both of those so it's really cool really cool commander um and a really cool next card we're going to talk about um so (laughs) this card is wild it's called awaken the woods it is a green sorcery so awaken the woods costs x green green and it says create x one one green forest dryad land creature tokens they're affected by summoning sickness so you can't tap them for mana when you uh, cast this spell but unless they have haste. So just, yeah, X green, green, make a bunch of dryad arbors. Uh, wow. <laughs> That's like <laughs> actually really good. That's really crazy. Um, it's a ton of landfall. It's a ton of mana ramp. It's a ton of guys. Um, I, I think this is just good. I don't really know. I, yeah, I don't really I, have much to say about it. <laughs> I mean, at this point, we have three landfall commanders that uh, like draw cards off landfall. We've got Tatiova, AEC, and Omnath 3.0. Um, so, like in all of them, just like you know, X green green draw X cards, like essentially make a bunch of landor elves and get a million of your other landfall triggers, which your deck is full of. Uh, sounds amazing also there's a lot of landfall commanders that um just make guys so like you make a bunch of guys off this and make a bunch of guys off your commander and get whatever other landfall triggers you have around uh it's just seems really really good if you have honestly if you have a commander that like grants haste to all your guys this might just be kind of sick in there just like yeah imagine i i cast this for x is five and immediately recoup almost all of my mana yeah (laughs) it's just like a you know you kind of cast a chromatic orrery kind of yeah so there's so many applications to it so just wild a lot of cool things you can do with it i just don't think like they've made that many cards that get you this many landfall triggers in one go besides like the 
escape shift escape shift and like whatever the mold the earth or whatever that 10 mana one was oh know? yeah yeah um so yeah really cool really fun uh glad they made land tokens finally um and yeah let's get into this next one do you want to talk about this guy yeah this is cradle clear cutter it is six mana for a three six artifact creature golem it has tap add an amount of green equal to cradle clear cutters power and it has prototype for two and a green uh, and if you prototype it, it's a one three. So I was thinking like in Ragadraga, um, Ragadraga gives all your mana dorks plus two plus two. So if you cast this for its prototype, you are essentially paying three mana for a creature that then can tap for three green. Um, that seems like a pretty good rate. Uh, also, just like commanders that are really good at pumping up one of your creatures, like Willow Dusk can put up a bunch of plus one counters on him. Um, ick to kick the uh, green partner that's kind of like golem tribal and puts plus almost one counters on your golem this seems like one of the better golems for that deck but really just like any green commander that can pump it to big like i think there are uh, i need to like take a look but I, i'm pretty sure there are decks out there that are just randomly running like silvala explorer returned or um viridian joiner or thing like things like that yeah, I really like this in Willow Dusk. I have a Willow Dusk list. And, or, or uh, sorry, Silvala Heart of the Wild is what I meant to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it, it's I like that it costs six. So like, if you don't want to deal with... like That deck ends up making a ton of mana. And sometimes it's black, sometimes it's green. Usually it's green. So just having something that can come down early and get the party rolling or something that can just... Your board gets wiped and you don't want to start. and You just play it for six. I think that's cool there. Um, I really like the Ictekic tech too so um can i read off this next card this next one is uh i feel like the clear cutter is is good in various places but the haywire mite is good in a lot of places yes so this is haywire mite as i just said it's a one mana uh one one artifact creature insect says when haywire mite dies you gain two life and it has green, sacrifice, haywire, might, exile, target, non-creature, artifact, or non-creature enchantment. Um, wow, that's really good. <laughs> that gets most of the things that you want to kill with it. Yeah, this is uh, an excellent card. It, of course, does lose some functionality because it can't hit artifact creatures or um, enchantment creatures. But it like the exile is huge. The fact that it's an artifact has synergies. Um, and I think that like I put it, I think I put it slightly above Caustic Caterpillar, but they're really close enough that the decks that are going to run one um, are probably going to run the other. And so I'm thinking about things like Marin of Clan Neltoth, uh, Muldrotha, the Gravetide, um, Grist, uh, or the new Zask from Jumpstart 2022 uh, are, are going to be happy to run both of these cards. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and uh, let's get on to the next niche card. <laughs> so this is Perennial Behemoth. Um, this is a 5-mana 2-7. It's an artifact creature beast that says you may play lands from your graveyard, and it has Unearth for green-green. Um, this is funny because, like, the effect is so good, and there's so many decks that do want this, but, like, I why do I want the Unearth on it? And also, like, I don't really want to spend five mana on it so maybe in like um 
No, because that's too many pieces. I was thinking of like Emil to like flicker it <laughs> like after you unearth it or something, but oh, then how to get so in your graveyard. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. Uh, oh, well, yeah, this is it's I mean, obviously playing lands from a graveyard is good. You're evolving wilds turns into ramp every turn. You hit every land drop every turn forever. And honestly, I'm into it. I love that. But I don't know if I want to spend five on a two seven beast like this, you know? Yeah, I really I don't like this card for multiple reasons. Uh five mana is just way too expensive for this effect. Like these stats are bizarre. Like how many two sevens are there in magic at all? Um <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and it's just kind of weird to like have this ability, the the crucible ability, which is all about getting advantage over the long term and put it on a card with unearth. Um that just seems really strange to me. So I don't like this card. Uh, I'm going to stick with Crucible and Excavator and and even like Zask, like anything that doesn't yeah. look like this card. Yeah, I I pretty much agree with that. Um, so this next, <laughs> this next card is is wild. They just printed so many like funky green cards in the set. Um, so this is Root Path Purifier. It is a 3-4 Elf Druid for 4 mana, 3 and a green. Um, and before I read what it does, this is uh, one of the set booster cards. So if you're drafting, you will not see this. Um, but it says, lands you control and land cards in your library are basic. Uh, no, it is not dissing your lands. Um, so yeah, Root Path Purifier, what do you think about it? Uh, so this is kind of sweet in um, Kodama of the West Tree because that just naturally searches for tons of basic lands out of your library. Um, I was thinking maybe in Phylath or other landfall decks with fewer colors. Um, Phylath is especially nice because it only makes plants equal to the number of basic lands you control. So... I mean, the deck typically like tries to run more basics than normal, but this gets you even further along there. Um, and you're just going to run a bunch of ramp effects that get a lot better with this guy out. Uh, I, I will say, like, you're going to want to use the hypergeometric calculator to figure out how many land, basic land searching effects you're going to see over the course of a game. Um, so, like, if you're only running, like, 10 cards that can actually get basic lands out of your library, then that means, well, you'll probably see, like, one per game, maybe two per game. And is that enough to make Root Path Purifier worth it? Like, is it worth spending four mana on this to maybe get, turn, like, one rampant growth into, like, a, a reap and sow or you know something equivalent um up to you to make that decision but just this uh i i would i would suggest doing the math to see if it is going to actually do work for you and, and don't forget that like hour of promise exists and might do more for you for less effort yeah <laughs> yeah and we do get uh i don't actually know if we are no we are talking about it so uh uh, asterisk on this card as we talk about another card in like two or three cards from now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it is interesting. I think that there are going to be some decks where this just 
will do work and there are going to be games where this is like the splashiest coolest thing that you've ever seen and i think for most people that's going to be like one in like one out of nine games or something like that you know where you you don't get this on turn three and then start turning all your kadamas reaches into just like insane value mm-hmm. um so yeah if you're if you're good i i'm good to move on okay let's do it yeah, so this next one is uh, Serenth Steelseeker. This is a 1-2 uh, for 2 mana. It costs 1 and a green. And it's a human artificer scout that reads, whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you don't put the card into your hand, you may put it into your graveyard. So you kind of explore when artifacts enter. Um, so. Again, if an artifact enters uh, and the top card is a land, you draw it. And if an artifact enters and the top card is not a land, you can put it in your graveyard. Yeah, I mean, there are some decks where this is going to get a lot. I was thinking of a Jolene, the Plunder Queen, is going to mm-hmm. draw every single land in her library every single game. <laughs> um, yeah, old Nawbone gets insane with this thing. Like, if you're making 10 treasures off an attack, like, you know, you're going to draw 40% of a card many many times yeah you just gotta you have to be willing to commit to like uh milling yourself aggressively Mm -hmm. um like like if you're not willing to bin most of the cards most of the non-land cards you see then just don't put this in your deck but i will i would well i would exchange this for value um i guess you do have to be careful some types of artifacts artifact tokens are going to be a lot more useful than others like making a bunch of clues off of lanus to dig out more lands i think that's more meaningful because like clues are are mana hungry artifacts that's probably more meaningful than like old gnawbone i have 10 treasure already i don't know if this one (laughs) land is going to highly impactful for the outcome of this game mm-hmm. but so basically guillaume supremacy is what you're saying we're gonna exactly we're yes. gonna be getting all those foods we're gonna be gaining life it's gonna be great <laughs> um yeah no I, I agree with all of everything you said um and i do i do still think this is good in guillaume um just because like it's not you're not gonna be milling that many cards but you are gonna hit all your land drops forever now um so that's pretty good um mm-hmm. I guess let's go into the next card. Okay. Uh, next card is Titania's Command. It's four green green for a sorcery. Choose two. Exile target player's graveyard. You gain one life for each card exiled this way. Search your library for up to two land cards. Put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Create two 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 green bear creature tokens and put two plus one plus one counters on each creature you control. Um this uh, personally like the only mode i care about is the land searching and like yeah. six is kind of a lot to pay compared to like our promise or temp of discovery scape shift and Piers whim um it, it can assemble like two card land combos by itself so you can get your coffers in urborg or you can get your um thespian stage in dark depths i kind of so like if have you ever played this in limited um no i have not yet Okay, because like in limited, of course, the default is the last two modes. Yeah, the bear counters. Yeah, you get like for six mana, you get two four fours and like two plus and plus one counters on everything else. 
Um, and I kind of, and it's also just like backbreaking. It's like, you know, the kind of thing where it's like, should this have been a mythic? Uh, <laughs> um, but it's, I kind of wish that they had just like nerfed one or both of those last two abilities a little bit. So they could have dropped down the cost and made the second, like the land searching ability a, a lot better. better in commander yeah. <laughs> or just, or just like, you know, being able to get that for five mana means like, Oh, I have a second hour of promise as opposed to, Oh, I have a worse hour of promise. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but it, it's still a neat card. And I think there's still lots of decks that are going to be interested in it. I'm always happy to see like kind of incidental graveyard hate. The fact that you can get the bulk of this card's value and then either get like kind of a quote unquote free graveyard hosing or a free um, like anthem, like a respectable anthem um, or just some guys like mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of cool. It's a neat card. Yeah, I think it's neat. This is the asterisk for the uh, the uh, awaken the or what was the the awaken the woods? Yeah, it was the um the lands thing. What land token generator. With? Yeah, land token. I guess it was the land token generator. Yeah. Um. So it's gets the gets what you need, you know, but at a little bit higher rate. So when we're, whenever we talk about our promise, now this is just going to be a card that we have to mention too. Um, so hopefully it ends up being better <laughs> than <laughs> I think it's going to be. I mean, it does definitely, um, like it can gain you a lot of life. It can definitely host people. So I think like, obviously options are good, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree with pretty much most of what you said. Um, so now we're in the multicolor cards. We're getting there. <laughs> so this, I'm just going to read off this first one because it, it does one thing and it does it really well. So this is Yoshin Tactician. This is a 3-4 human soldier for 4 mana, 2 white blue. And it says, other soldiers you control get, that's right, plus 1, plus 1. Uh, I guess I'm putting it in Harbin uh, and I'm not happy about it. Actually, do I even want to put this in Harbin? Like, I could just put in like like dictate of heliod and it would be better <laughs> i feel like you well know, you're well you're trying to get to the five uh five the, soldiers the five soldier threshold so i agree that this like looks pretty embarrassing compared to most lords we've seen mm-hmm. but if you really need to hit five soldiers <laughs> this might this might be one of them um, i guess that's i guess that's true not a highly impactful card i will agree Let's move on to the next low impact card. It's mm-hmm. Serenth Great Worm. <laughs> uh, this is four red green for a seven six worm with trample. Uh, whenever a land enters the battlefield, create a tapped power stone token. So notably, that includes your opponent's lands entering the battlefield. Uh, so this makes a hell of a lot of power stones very, very quickly, like, you know, four or more potentially per round of turns. Um, the only problem is getting a sync for it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not so easy. Like red green doesn't have a ton of commanders that can use power stone mana extremely well. Um, I, I think. Mm, I think this card is just going to do less than you expect it will. Yeah, I feel like what you like really want out of this guy is a deck that like sacrifices a ton of artifacts. So like, what was that uh, new that's an idea? What was that new? I can't remember her name where she like 
Pap's artifacts in red green. She was in Dominaria. You know. Oh yeah, the problem. So Maria, scholar of antiquity, is that that was a token? The, yeah, yeah, that was my first thought. But then I uh, start. I like started playing Maria on Arena. And like, why aren't my treasure tokens tapping? Why aren't oh. my <laughs> power stones working the way I want them to? Yeah. Uh, that's no, why. yeah, that is that makes a lot of sense. No, yeah, but I that that is kind of where I would want to play this if I got like audacious reshapers, my trash for treasure effects, um, that's kind of stuff that I would, well, I would even argue play. like well, here's here's the thing like mm-hmm. with uh with like audacious audacious reshapers or trash for treasure or even goblin well they're like you're unlikely to activate those like more than once per turn so. Do you really want to like pay six mana to get infinite power stones, or do you want to just pay like three mana to get one treasure per turn, or something like that? Like, yeah, that I mean, that is true. I'm I I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about like um, what's his name, the Rock Man, uh, Togo. Uh, oh sure, yeah. And I feel like there's going to be more places for this, like red trashing artifacts is like flavorful and funny so i i think this is always going to be a niche card like it's a very funny mythic but uh, i don't think it's as good as everyone thought it was at first blush yeah it was like pre-selling for 30 dollars, and now you can buy it for three yeah i was gonna say like not not nearly that much yeah r.i.p to anyone who speculated on it oops Um, moving on uh, this next card is Legions to Ashes. Uh, it is one black white for a sorcery. Exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls and all tokens that player controls with the same name as that permanent. Uh, I think like the easy point of comparison is Vindicate, which is in 37,000 decks on EDH rec. Um, this is pretty comparable in power. Uh, I don't typically hit lands with Vindicate, but you know it, that does kind of matter. Also, like the fact that it can clear out a token army or exile something and prevent your opponent from recurring it. Uh, I think that it mostly edges out Vindicate if that's something you're trying to do mm-hmm. in 2022. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I feel like uh, lately I've needed more land destruction, so which is really funny. There's just like a lot of really heinous things going on on that that side of the table sometimes. But uh, oh, so you're I, you're leaning towards the Vindicate. Right now in our meta, but like I, I definitely Legions to Ashes is like a card that I probably would have played the last like eight nine years if I, if it was available to me. You know, I'm I'm more worried about recursion, but mm-hmm. that's that's me. Um, yeah, let's do. I I basically agree. Do you want to? Re- oh, actually, I'm going to read off this next card. Let's let let's get into it. Um, this is Death Bloom Ritualist. This is a three five l4 lock for five mana three black green and it has tap add x mana of any one color where x is the number of creature cards in your graveyard so where am i putting death bloom ritualist what am i what am i doing with this so it's oh i'm not even sure um (laughs) so so like this is extremely expensive for a ramp card uh it's fragile it's slow and it's narrow because you're gonna need uh i mean you're gonna need a lot of creature cards in your graveyard um it's tough i i think like maybe marin but like 
it's just it's so slow it's so slow <laughs> uh I, i'm pretty low on this card overall i i respect that like you know in certain circumstances it is going to tap for just like 10 mana or something um but it's i think it's something you're i mean people are going to see it coming but maybe i'm undervaluing it what do you think uh i i think it's cool i i think that this is definitely not like a golgari staple but there are just some decks that like you go from like five mana to eight mana or like more mana than that and you're like winning out of nowhere so i think this is worth it for some decks like my my uh, jared deck is like that like if i can get to like 10 mana like it's looking pretty bad for the table <laughs> and this will pretty handily do that so i, th- I think it goes into some lists I, I'm, I'm higher on it than you are because sometimes you just need to go from five to eight and this will do that if you're playing like a graveyard deck um or, or but like uh, well, how many creatures have been, you been able to get into your yard on turns one through four? Uh, a decent amount, usually. I mean, like, usually. So if I'm playing Jared and Jared comes out on turn four, uh, he's usually a four four, is what I've noticed. So okay. this will immediately tap for two, which is like, you know, whatever. But then the turn after, like, I have six or uh, seven plus mana, you know, that it's going to get bigger. So that seems good. You know, that seems fine to me. And and that's not even counting the games where like Wombo Combo, Jared's a 6-6 six, six on turn four because you just were lucked out on some like Dredge or something like that <laughs> or a Ms. Miracle Herb or something. So um, I, I think it has its place. I, I definitely don't think this is a ubiquitous Golgari card. But like if you got to if you got to get to like 10 in a graveyard deck, this is probably one of the better ways to do that. I um look forward to seeing the results of your testing with it, yeah. Jared, because I'm yeah. I'm ter- totally willing to be wrong. Maybe I'm too low on it. I think yeah, uh, it's something I've noticed, especially lately, is just like sometimes just making a ton of mana is just that's it. That's just like sometimes <laughs> all you need is one piece, and one piece is seven mana. <laughs> so, um, let's get into this card. I know you're high on this card, and it is uh very good. So this is Skyfisher Spider. Uh, it's a 3-3 three, three spider with reach for 4 mana, 3 black green. It says when Skyfisher Spider enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do destroy target non-land permanent, whoa, and it has this other line of text that is not as exciting. When Skyfisher Spider dies, you may gain 1 life for each creature card in your graveyard. If you do, exile Skyfisher Spider from your graveyard. Um, So I honestly don't know how much I'm going to do that, but let's talk about this guy. How do you feel about him? Uh, I'm, as you said, I'm very high on it. Uh, the number of cheap-ish creatures that decisively answer permanence on ETB uh, is pretty small, and it's mostly limited to white. Uh, I, I think this easily earns a spot in black-green reanimator decks like Marin and, and Nethroi, um, maybe even like Carador, probably Carador. Probably Carador. It, uh, yeah, this just seems like a fantastic ETB trigger yeah sure another creature dies whatever you don't care you're you're playing reanimator um i i like this card a lot extremely high on it i'm definitely going to use it to blow up your death bloom ritualist yes yes absolutely i i can't wait it'll be great um so this next card is very goofy uh so it is called battery bearer a battery like like the duracell type um and 
It is a 3-4 human artificer for 4 mana. So 2 green-blue. So we got a Simic card here. It says, creatures you control have tap, add colorless. This mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells. And whenever you cast an artifact spell with mana value 6 or greater, draw a card. So it's Simic, right? It's busted as hell. This is just broken to all all the high heavens, you know, right? Right? That's what uh, <laughs> what I'm seeing. No, I, <laughs> this is... I actually like that this is such like a, a niche card. Um, I like it too, but the evidence suggests that this is not going to see a lot of play. Um, yes. Like Sentinel Hierophants is mostly a better card. Um, four mana for three, two and says um, creatures you control have tap add green. So this version is just like narrower color identity. The mana it produces is less useful. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to see a lot of play. Uh, that being said, we do have a friend with an Emoti Artifacts build that's going to be pretty excited to play with this, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like just So Emoti is your uh, spells with CMC 6 or more have Cascade. Um, and so there's a lot of artifacts that cost 6 or more that uh, do big things that also Cascade into other artifacts that cost 6 or more. So yeah, this seems very good there seems like uh if you're doing just a weird artifact creature build in simic i I, I can't think of that many other commanders that really want this but maybe someday Hmm. Uh, i don't know (laughs) so yeah we'll see see. this next Uh, one is nuts do you want to talk about this guy yeah this is third path iconoclast it is blue red for a 2-1 creature human monk whenever you cast a non-creature spell create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token um so easiest point of comparison is sahili sublime artificer uh that's in twenty three thousand decks on edh rec and this is cheaper and it can't be attacked to death yes um <laughs> so seems very very good um i was thinking like uh Balmor, the the thing from Dominaria United that like whenever you cast an insert or sorcery, all your guys get plus one plus zero and trample. Um Galazeth Prismari, because you can then tap your artifacts and cast more spells. Uh Brutaclad can overwrite all these tokens and make them something better. Uh Magnus the Red. Uh I gotta look up the exact text on this one. I have unfortunately not memorized it. Oh yeah, Magnus, it's your uh your instants and sorceries cost one less for each token you control. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, it is each creature token, but yeah, you got, you got the gist. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that sounds very, very good. Um, there, and of course like young pyromancer is in a billion decks on EDH rec. So oh, yeah, there, there are many reasons to believe that this card is good. I think it's uh, fantastic and adds a lot of value to some narrow archetypes. Yeah, and it, the fact that it's artifact creatures again, so cool, so good. Like, mm-hmm. fits into even more places. Non-creature spell, even broader. So yeah, this is just a. Uh, it's ridiculous how ubiquitous this card could be. It's it's insane. It's wild. Um, which also brings us to our colorless spells. So there's a lot more in this set than normal, uh, being that it is an artifact uh, set where all the robots are punching each other. Um, so I guess let me read off this first one. This is Cityscape Leveler. This is an eight mana, eight eight construct with trample. When you cast 
uh, Cityscape Leveler, and whenever Cityscape Leveler attacks, destroy up to one target non-land permanent. Its controller creates a tapped Power Stone token. Uh, so you get, you know, they get a little booby prize for for the trouble, and it has unearth of eight. So this is just like mega meteor golem. Meteor golem uh, asked the question, uh, and this said, uh, "I'm meteor than that." So here we are. <laughs> we got this <laughs> gnarly eight drop. Um, yeah, I think this is just good. There's just a ton. It's a big, splashy mythic, and it does a lot. You can abuse it really easily. This seems just good in a lot of decks. I don't know how you're feeling about it. I feel like it's probably probably the same. <laughs> uh, I'm, I am I like this a lot. Uh, it seems very good in like Rakdos um, 2.0, Rakdos or Lord of Riots, uh, the cost reduction Rakdos. It's also good in Perforos 2.0. Um, that's the sneak attack Perforos. Felden 1.0. Uh, uh, Sahili the Gifted. That's the, the cost reduction Sahili. So I think like it just does a lot. I love the fact that it's... Well, uh, okay. I've got a love-hate relationship with the, the fact that it's a cast trigger for the, the first... Oh, yeah, for the um, first time. <laughs> Yeah, because on the one hand, like, well, you're not going to get blown out by a counter spell. But on the other hand, it's just I would love to have to be able to blink this and get more meteor golem stuff going on. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a neat card. Um, certainly works well with uh, Mishra, Tamer of Makfawa, the Unearth Mishra, because you can just do it for three instead of eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, big, splashy, mythic. Uh, not the last one we'll talk about today. Um, so this next card is called Liberator Urza's Battlethopter. Uh, so this is a legendary artifact creature, Thopter. Uh, it is a 1-2 for 3 mana. It has flash, flying, and you may cast colorless spells and artifact spells as though they had flash. I love that they listed artifacts for your like blue artifacts and stupid stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and then whenever you cast a spell, if the amount of mana spent to cast that spell is greater than Liberator Urza Battlethopter's power, put a plus one plus one counter on Liberator. So this rules. I mean, we we kind of talked about this as a commander already, but what do you want to where do you want to put this in a main deck? I, I just had to mention the fact that this is really, really good in Kadena Morphs. Um, and it's not obvious. Uh, so Morph spells are colorless spells. So this allows you to cast your Morphs from out of your hand uh, as though they had Flash. And if you're, and of course, like Flash Granners are absolutely essential to a Kadena deck because the way Kadena's cost reduction ability is worded, you can get it once per turn like including on your opponent's turns so liberator is just kind of like another copy of the dalkin orrery or or like Leyline of anticipation or similar in that deck in that you can spread out your cost reduction and get like essentially a total of 12 mana over the course of a round of turns uh instead of just three so yes. it's very clutch for the cadena deck all right, next card is the Might Stone and Weak Stone. Uh, this is five mana for a legendary artifact, Power Stone. 
When it enters the battlefield, choose one. Draw two cards, or target creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn. It also has tap, add, CC. This mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells. And uh, this also uh, melds with Urza Lord Protector to create Urza Planeswalker. Um, and I'm going to mention this again. We, we discussed this earlier with Phyrexian Dragon Engine, but in the Commander variant, a meld card's color identity is determined only by the mana costs and mana symbols in the rules text of its front face. No symbols or rules text of the permanent it melds into are considered. So even though it melds into a blue-white card, this is a colorless card. You can play it in your colorless deck, no problem. Um, so... I'll say that um, I've got an artifact list that's built around sacrificing and recurring artifacts. So I'm always on the lookout for artifacts with good ETB abilities. Uh, I think that I, I would happily run this in a colorless deck too, um, or just pretty much anywhere I could guarantee that I would be able to use the Power Stone mana every turn. I think I would be happy to run this. Like it's the yeah the 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 rate is worse than like a gilded lotus or a or a thran dynamo or even a sissy's ring but just like the value you get off of it um is amazing like having it be a kill uh kill spell is actually pretty darn sweet especially in like colorless identities yeah just gnarly five five is like most commanders you know so like the fact that you could like arguably get it multiple times too in a round of turns you're like might stone meekstone like kill your thing sack it like goblin welder like draw two cards <laughs> like holy cow that's nuts you know like on top of like making mana along the way so yeah this is this is just a good card um unintuitive color identity but uh you know color identity it's uh it's got his ups and downs <laughs> looking at you hybrid <laughs> crying at night hybrid um but yeah do you want to get on to this next card yeah this is another really sweet one um this is portal to phyrexia it is nine mana for an artifact when it enters the battlefield each opponent sacrifices three creatures and at the beginning of your upkeep put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control it's a phyrexian in addition to its other types um damn god damn it's crazy <laughs> yeah so like the etb ability is like obviously really strong and then just having it be a debtor's knell on top of that is fantastic um obviously like you uh, nine mana is a huge amount of mana it, it almost demands that you cheat its cost mm -hmm. um but there's a lot of ways to do that um like low power arkham dagson lists um maybe magda the dwarf tribal commander that lets you sack treasures and tutor an artifact onto the battlefield mm -hmm. um yeah absolutely this is so brutal and mag you're like all right boom <laughs> screw <laughs> you guys uh and and yeah and she can get it off really fast too um mm -hmm. but also like blue braids uh this is like one of the best artifacts to just drop into play um for free uh like i would happily just i would just like i know a lot of braids deck are about like you know uh phasing braids out or bouncing her or whatever if i could get this 
Portal to Phyrexia into play, I would just sacrifice her and I wouldn't even care about casting her for the rest of the game. Like Portal to Phyrexia is my new commander. Um like also Duretti, um Sahili the Gifted, and Rakir the Traveler, Mishra, Tamer of Makfawa, Tano, Solemn Survivor. There there's just there are a lot of commanders that can cheat this into play. Uh this is a so I think it's a fantastic card that adds a lot of power. Like this is the reason to cheat artifacts into play. Like what is the mm-hmm. second best artifact to cheat into play? Yeah. Meteor goal. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is I'm trying pretty to add- like Bolus's Citadel, I guess. But yeah. Or the forge. If you're a Timmy, you know, like uh, yeah. dark steel forge. I'm like, that's pretty much it. They're like, like a, a light steel. Big, yeah. I mean, there's, but like, things. but this is like in the same conversation. And I think it's more fun than a lot of those cards we just mentioned. Yeah. Um, well, more fun for me, I should say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think more fun in general. I mean, I, I feel like the difference between this and other ones is that like the game is going to end. Cause not only did you like basically wipe the board, you are getting this incremental advantage. So if this sticks around, you get the best thing that died and then you get the next best thing that died. And you know, like that it's pretty insurmountable if it sticks around, which is a pretty Phyrexian uh, thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that like after playing against it a couple times on arena, like in one V one historic brawl, um, it feels like, uh, that it feels like an Ugin. It's just oh yeah, it's right there. They, yeah, they wreck you. Like they they ha- get to a certain amount of mana, then they wreck you when it enters, and then if you can't kill it immediately, uh, which of course is made more difficult by it just slamming you when it got came in. Um, but if you can't kill it immediately, then it just wins you the game or wins the person who cast it the game. Um, <laughs> Boom. <laughs> anyway, very powerful card. Uh, I hope that one day the price will decrease somewhat because yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it is not mm, not the best, not accessible at the moment. Okay, moving on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we've got yeah. just a handful more cards. Thank you for sticking with us through the end. Um, this next card is Spectrum Sentinel. It's one mana for a one two artifact creature soldier. It has protection from multicolored. And whenever a non-basic land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, you gain one life. What do you think about this card? Uh, so I think if this is actually going to trigger a decent amount of the time, um, and it's a one drop, and it's an artifact, and it can block a lot of commanders. Um, so I think if you're playing like a life gain deck, if you're playing a Karlov, uh, especially like Karlov, because this comes down before Karlov and it's going to gain a bunch of life after Karlov. Um, Trelasara, Lathiel, um, and then the Regna and Krav team, the combo there. This is probably going to do work. Uh, I also forgot to say that uh, in the the uh, portal to Phyrexia is definitely in the top three portals in Magic, you know? So um, <laughs> that was another thing. But uh, yeah, Spectrum Sentinel is definitely uh, like not the best limited card, but it actually has a place in the format. And I, I think that's kind of cool that this little one drop can actually like pull a lot of work for you um do you want to get into the the next card yes uh this next card is one of the set booster exclusive cards this is staff of titania two mana art burn artifact equipment 
Equipped creature gets plus X plus X, where X is the number of forests you control. Whenever equipped creature attacks, create a 1-1 green forest dryad land creature token, uh, which is affected by summoning sickness. And then it has equip for three. Um, so yes, it looks a lot like a mono green Voltron card, um, but it is technically ramp for any color that wants it. Like if you're running Arden or some other list that can uh, cheat the equip cost, um, it honestly doesn't sound that bad. Like kind of compare it to um, Staff, or sorry, uh, Sword of the Animist, in yeah, that absolutely. like... Yeah, sort of the animist puts a basic okay. land on the battlefield tapped. This creates a land creature token with summoning sickness. In either case, like you're ramping ahead one mana starting next turn. Um, and of course, there's like other synergies where maybe you can use the fact that they're a creature for something. Maybe you can give them haste and start getting your mana immediately. Um, but I, I think this, I really hope we see like more land creature tokens in the future i guess like it triggers landfall if that matters to you um it's just a this has a lot of hooks that fit it into a lot of different decks Um, yes all right next card is the stasis coffin it is three mana for a legendary artifact and it has two tap exile the stasis coffin you gain protection from everything until your next turn uh so Honestly, like I'm not crazy about it from the perspective of like it's an it's kind of like another um it's kind of like another Teferi's protection, but that's not oh, that's not super appealing to me. Uh, I do like the idea of using it in the new Mishra from the um from the precons. So Mishra uh the eminent one uh, basically makes a token copy of another non-creature artifact once per turn but it changes the name to mishra's warform so that works really well with copying legendary permanence so if you use uh, mishra the eminent uh or rather mishra eminent one to make a copy of the stasis coffin the new the, the token copy is going to be called mishra's warform and the legend rule is not going to apply they're both going to be able to be on the battlefield at once so that you can then sacrifice that token copy and or rather exile that token copy and then just gain protection from everything until your next turn during which you can make another copy and just keep going from there like you're just going to have protection from everything pretty much every turn except for like a very tiny window at the beginning of combat so that's very cool uh any thoughts about like the stasis coffin just in general like in random decks um i don't think it's super impressive in regular decks just because like unlike with the um urza silex like that one the exile the silex is after the colon um and this one it's before it this is part of the cost is to exile the stasis coffin to get the effect so i think that like getting protection from everything is cool i think if you can like reasonably flash it in so uh a commander that like flashes in artifacts or something like this uh so like maybe you're playing a liberator and you want a little bit more interaction you know something like that that's probably fine you can flash it in the end of someone's turn you can just keep the five up because you got a hand presumably full of colorless things and 
that you can flash in whenever. So, um, but yeah, I'm not super impressed with it, like on its own. Like, I wouldn't just put this in like my Demir deck or something. You know, like probably not gonna just throw this into a random Esper list without a reason. So, mm-hmm. I think it's cool though. I do think it's a really cool piece of tech. The fact that it works so well with the new Mishra is rad. You know, it's cool to have a new home uh, at the same time when you come out. So it's not just not going anywhere um but yeah do you want to get into this next card yes uh the next card is suchi cave guard it's eight mana for an eight eight artifact creature construct with vigilance it's got ward four and when suchi cave guard dies add eight uh colorless at the beginning or sorry until end of turn you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end so it's kind of like the original suchi in that like you can get your mana back if it dies uh, but the original Sushi is better, as is Cathodeon. Um, you can combo this with like a Sack Outlet and a Nim Death Mantle, or uh, like Sack Outlet and a Cogwork Assembler, or an Urza Prince of Krug. Um, but that it's just like that typically requires like a high initial investment. Like I don't want my combo pieces to cost eight mana. I <laughs> think I'd, I'd rather just mess around with Cathodeon or something. Yeah, I feel the same way. I do. I like, I love me an eight, eight for eight, you know, I, lo- I love me a big boy, but yeah, this is like in a, such a weird place between like combo enabler and like Timmy smash that I'm, I don't really, like this is the kind of card where like someday I'm probably going to have a deck to play this in. But like right now I'm just kind of staring at it. Like, doing that dog head tilt like huh like (laughs) what because it's it's such a weird like vertex of things like intersection point between like card styles um so yeah i don't know if if you have a deck where suchi cave guard is good let us know i'm I'm really interested to see and i think that gets us to our our next card can i read this guy off sure so this is our last uh artifact that we're going to talk about then we have some lands so this is symmetry matrix this is a four mana artifact says whenever a creature with power equal to its toughness enters the battlefield under your control you may pay one if you do draw a card um so this should remind you of something but also it's kind of easier to use than a mentor of the meek um because the only thing that the tokens need to be a square, like a two-two Drake or a one-one spirit, you know, a three-three whatever, um, then you can draw cards off them. And it turns out most tokens have the same power and toughness, because it's kind of hard to remember different power and toughnesses if you don't have the uh like actual little printout that yeah that wizard prints for everybody so thank you wizards for those love me a one two spider with reach but uh i do also like drawing a bunch of cards off of symmetry matrix so this seems good i mean um mentor the meek is still in like a bajillion decks on eda track it's in fifty eight thousand decks so this seems like spreading the love to like mono red or like blue you know something like that who make a ton of tokens um should be good you know seems fun yeah it it could be interesting like 
I, I think like maybe would you ah, okay it's expensive but like would you consider maybe there's certain color identities where you you don't really care like i don't know if you would run this in like a talran deck even though you are going to be making a lot of yeah because you're drawing cards yeah you're drawing cards anyway yeah um but yeah i think like you know in red decks in white decks especially it makes the most sense maybe in like green decks that are looking to get more gas like kind of use this like a, a beast whisperer or a um or a guardian project mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I, yeah red decks decks that make sapperlings like imagine you like make three sapperlings and draw three cards or something uh yeah. or just y- like you know kind of cantrip cantrip a little yeah. bit off your um like lanowar elves or whatever yeah exactly so it, I, I think it's i think this is good i think sharing the love like that is uh cool because like obviously the closest comparison is is mentor the meek but like drawing a card off of like a 4-4 rhino <laughs> or like a 4-4 <laughs> beast like still just as good you know like landfall like draw a card still seems good to me <laughs> like <laughs> not nothing to sneeze at there so um i think this will be pretty popular uh nudge nudge wink wink for the uh predictions episode anyway um this <laughs> speaking of predictions episode our first land is uh, pretty wild so this is demolition field it is a land it taps for colorless and it says to tap sacrifice demolition field destroy target non-basic land and opponent controls that lands controller may search their library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield then shuffle you may search your library for a basic land card put it on the battlefield then shuffle um so it's the same thing as field of ruin except only you and the player you messed with get to go have some fun um you're not ramping everyone else at the table <laughs> this is uh, exactly what i asked for when i first saw uh field, field of ruin, of ruin. Yeah, yeah absolutely uh it's, so yeah there's fifty six thousand decks on edh rec running field of ruin like all of them should be running this instead it is strictly better um I, I don't know what else to say about it other than this is like the easiest slam dunk for the predictions episode (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely true i do want to say like the one thing for um people like i do know people that are still going to run field of ruin for like the group hug effects and you know if that's something you're into uh that's cool i'm not going to yuck your yum but if you are running field of ruin for the land destruction to like blow up a guy's cradle something like that just switch it just switch it just just please they pick them up now they're going to be cheap they're going to be so cheap and it's going to be so good and you're going to love it just 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 switch it come on bro <laughs> come on bro um do you want to talk about this next card this next card isn't very remarkable but the things that were said about it are buck wild so do you want do you want me to read it and you get into it um okay so yeah you can go ahead and read it sure so this is fortified beachhead uh there's not a lot to say about it it's a land says as fortified beachhead enters the battlefield you may reveal a soldier card from your hand fortified beachhead enters the battlefield tapped unless you revealed a soldier card this way or you control a soldier it taps for a white or blue mana and it says five tap soldiers you control get plus one plus one until end of turn um you know whatever it's uh, a land for your soldiers deck or if you're 
commander happens to be a soldier in like blue white x color identity or something like that but (laughs) why are we talking about it (laughs) uh it's so like Maro got got a question about this card and was like, I've gotten a lot of mail from players wanting more cards that mechanically care about soldiers, and this card delivers on that front. Um, it's so this this is such a strange card because like it's yeah, it's soldier tribal. Like it's cool that it is backwards compatible with all the soldiers that have been printed up until this point, except like all the soldiers printed up until this point have been white. So like, why are you making your soldier tribal support in a color identity? (laughs) That's like only relevant for like literally one commander. Mm -hmm. Like why not do something that you can put in your Darien deck or your Prava deck or any of the million uh, like mono white or white X commanders that, make soldier tokens or, or interact with soldiers in some way mm-hmm. um, or like are themselves soldiers, whatever that people are using for soldier commanders. Like this is so baffling. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it is weird. I, I, I wouldn't have thought much of this card until I saw that comment. Uh, you know, like I'd be like, okay, you know, weird, the cool, like, now your soldier's deck has one more cheap dual land that you can run, like mana fixing. Um, but that comment just raises so many questions that I'm like, huh. Okay. I'm not quite sure how they're thinking about these things anymore, but all right. And probably, I mean, Mara's probably thinking about it in the context of standard is basically what it comes down to, I think. He's really not thinking about it. As we learned from Infinity, uh, Mara's not uh, the most commander-minded person. <laughs> <laughs> on the R&D team at this point. So um do you want to get into the next land? Yes, uh this next card is Mishra's Foundry. It is a land, it taps for a colorless and it has 2 mana. Mishra's Foundry becomes a 2/2 assembly worker artifact creature until end of a turn. It's still a land and also you can pay 1 and tap Mishra's Foundry to give target attacking assembly worker plus 2 plus 2 until end of turn. Um, so worth noting this can easily become three card types for Baba Lisaga um, who, who cares about sacrificing permanence and if three or more permanents were permanent, sorry three or more card types were sacrificed this way uh, you get a bunch of cool stuff um, it's also a great card for like polymorph style decks like Jalira or Arkham Dagson um, and then like maybe maybe Jorkadine would be interested uh, yeah do you have any more thoughts on where this could be good not really i think you hit the nail on the head like they love their like campy like assembly worker tribal but there's just mm-hmm. nothing to do with that in commander yeah. at this point so until we get like an assembly worker commander or like a few dozen more good assembly workers like and i i mean that like actually good assembly workers <laughs> this is just gonna be like a cool card for the decks you listed uh Babala saga in particular seems pretty cool arkham daxon seems like a good one so yeah maybe you yeah. could also run this in like um a heavy vehicle deck so oh like yeah the, mm-hmm. the manland vehicle deck where you run a lot of like board wipes and then your lands wake up and they jump in the cockpit of your jet or whatever and kill your opponent yeah like, i do uh, i do i'm so i'm sad that they took away the block pump 
functionality on this card though that like so minor no 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 this is absolutely correct move like having (sighs) no someone like pulling a creature out of their land base and then it's suddenly a three three that sucks no thank you (laughs) i know it's just it's class i don't know classic command or classic uh, magic you know yeah like an experience we all had when we were like onboard tricks <laughs> hidden yeah. underneath like eight basic lands yeah that's fun <laughs> yeah no you're right about that so this is the last card we're gonna talk about i'm gonna read it off and do you want to get into it sure uh this next card uh, yeah, yeah actually go ahead and read it off <laughs> sorry i'm too eager i'm too eager yeah you were too eager so this is urza's workshop so uh, of note this is one of the uh, set booster cards right that's where this is sitting i'm pretty Correct. sure so urza's workshop only get it in set boosters it is a land, Urza's, so it is an Urza's land. It has tap, add colorless, and it has metalcraft. Tap, add colorless for each Urza's land you control. Activate only if you control three or more artifacts. Um, Yeah, all right, best land ever printed, basically, right? <laughs> uh, so the, the Good Morning Magic video previewing this card leads it led me to believe that like the set booster exclusive commander slots are or or that i had misunderstood what they were about because i thought that like set booster exclusive commander slots were about like introducing a commander that they couldn't have fit into a pre-con and like didn't make sense in the main set like when they uh when they showed lind the tormentor in like the midnight hunt set booster exclusive cards i was like okay i get it now i understand what this set booster exclusive slot is for um but then i but like urza's workshop doesn't really align with that this is not like a tool to make the format better this is not just like a narrow thing that only makes sense in commander this is just like gavin verhey's fetish or something like (laughs) this is this is like his perversion that he is acting out and like he is forcing everyone else to like be it onlookers and this is like him demonstrating his his like exhibitionism fetish like this is a twisted magic card um (laughs) this is like even without the metal craft requirement, this would be a trap. Like there are tens of thousands of people who are all running, who are already running like the Tron lands uh, in their EDH rec. And it's a mistake. They shouldn't do that, but this is going to convince more people to do it. This is a, this card will teach you to be worse at magic. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, I'm, not a fan of this card existing and uh i'm i'm certainly even less a fan of like putting it into your commander decks so i'm gathering you don't like this card is is what i'm <laughs> i'm guessing from from all this um yeah no i mean it it is pretty wild if you really think about it like at all you what is the best case scenario you you have tron and then you play this and you have three artifacts, so you're making eleven mana with this one land. That's or with all the lands, I guess, because this makes four, and then you're making seven on Tron. And mm-hmm. 
And you can also run Urza's Factory, which is an Urza's mm-hmm. land. And you can run Urza's, Urza's Saga. Saga. Yeah, got him for, for three there turns. Go. Three turns. You can make... Uh, S- someone six, is going to yeah. make it their mission to get all six Urza's lands uh, onto the battlefield at once. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they will eventually achieve it, hopefully. Uh, and I'm sure it'll make the other 9,999 games that they lost because they <laughs> yeah. built their deck badly. Uh, I'm sure it'll make them all worth it. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just is really ridiculous. Um, Cause like, let's say you try to meet the metal craft requirement. Um, how many Urza's lands are you going to have out? How are you going to find them? What deck are you playing this in? If you're playing green, just play green. Just like get <laughs> more mana. Just, just, just do it you nerd like just... i know like imagine playing a green deck and you cast sylvan scrying and you like flip past your gaia's cradle yeah. to get to your urza's workshop like this is the behavior of a madman this is an unwell <laughs> person doing this <laughs> yeah i mean even just like a nykthos you know that's gonna probably make more mana in your monocolor decks than like an urza's workshop will ever make in whatever deck you put it in you know like i it's so just pretty pretty wild i don't i don't know why they they did this i i like you know it's i get that you want to make another urza's land um and i get that it's funny to give it metalcraft or something like that but but this wow anyway uh that's the last card we're gonna talk about <laughs> <laughs> so if you um if we missed a card that you're really into let us know um if you have thoughts about this set let us know this is a, kind of one of the weirder set reviews we've done because like all of us have had a lot more time to play with the cards before this episode has come out so um if you have insights that maybe we have not gleaned because you've been able to play with some cards before us uh also let us know and as always let us know what you think. Um, we are going to have, uh, well, I guess not in this episode, all the deck lists came out with the legendary cards, but we are going to have our preview or uh, our predictions, predictions episode, yes, um, which will be pretty fun. Honestly, there's a lot of um, some silly things that went down in uh, DMU. Uh, that was a pretty <laughs> hard set to like, guess what was going to happen on, honestly. Um so we'll talk about it. We'll get there. We'll 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 see what's what happened, and we'll talk about this set because I feel like this set's a little bit easier to decipher. But um, I guess yeah, the good cards are more obvious, I think, in Bro. But yeah, they're just like good cards. Um, but do you want to do? I guess uh, this is a question for you, Nick. Do you want to do our last thoughts on the set in that episode, or do you want to do them right now? Uh, let's do them in that episode. I think our our very patient listeners uh are ready to take a break after this three and a half ish hour episode Mm -hmm. yeah Um, there was just there's so many main deck cards in this set like this set had so much stuff like just crazy crazy how much stuff was in this set yeah they packed it full of a lot of good ones uh certainly a lot to talk about but we will wrap it up with our prediction episode for this episode i just want to give a quick thank you to our patreon patrons uh, they are Gustav, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, the White Clays, Hannah, James, Logan, Roger, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrea, Vasilios, 
Logan, Frugal Brutal, Carl Oscar, Danny B, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, Cameron, Valerio, Zach, Quincy, Carrie, Stephen, and the Longs. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Commander Theory. And on Twitter, I am at Fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commandertheory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think.